Hello and welcome to the 6++ Plus Show, a podcast for your wargaming and 40k needs. Hobby talk, tactics, tournament reports, lore and much more. We have it all. Please welcome your host for the evening, Tom. Good evening all. It is me. It is Edward. I am back, your temporary host. I'm here whenever Tom has to don his suit and cape and fight crime at short notice. Welcome back to the show with the most mathematical symbols in its name in the Warhammer universe. I am joined, as always, by our glorious leader, who again has never threatened me. How are you doing, Chris? Hi, I'm very well. I'm on half term, so um, a week off. Enjoying it very much, so yes. Fantastic. I'm my uh, the schools that I looked after work are also at half term, so I'm still there, but I'm doing significantly less work, so I, I'm also enjoying that. Well, we had a um, glorious trip. Chantal Edward and I were going to head off to um, uh, Hans Stanton for the day, um, which is a nearby beach, and enjoy that. And then after about 10 minutes, Edward was like, I feel sick. And a bag full of vomit later, we were heading back and watching um, lots of Diary of the Wimpy Kid videos. <laughs> Just to quickly clarify, that was a different Ed to me. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris, for ruining your trip. I did have too many ice lollies, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I will endeavour to do better in the future. Yeah. Well, we've had the conversation, and we're okay now. Ed, there's just third wheel on all of Chris's dates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not only here to ruin your life at Warhammer events, I'm here to ruin your life at all times, all including on a podcast and lovely dates with your girlfriend. Yeah. Thank you very much. Jack! This is a face that I don't think anyone here will have seen, at least not in conjunction with this podcast. I've never Jack. seen him before either. <laughs> we will recognise the name, though, because Jack has been quite active in our chat. Gelmaris, who uh, not only is Tom a knight in shining armour and uh, a caped crusader, so is Jack, swooping in at the last second to help us when we had a drop. And uh, came in, not only played very well over the weekend, which we'll get into, but is a, apparently a wizard at pairings. So uh, he's going to be talking about his process how we approached each team, what we went with, where it went wrong, which was definitely not his fault. I might blame Chris. It was probably my fault. Um, and sort of how we went from there. How are you doing, Jack? Um, doing excellently. It's great to be here. Great to be podcasted again. It's been a couple of years for me. Um, but yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to go over stuff. Fantastic. For reference there, Jack used to play competitively in Night Age, which is the, uh, the version of fantasy that still hung around after Games Workshop tried to you know, finish it off rather quickly. Because number one Ninth Age podcast self-proclaimed. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And Paul, how are you doing, Mr. Four? I am very well. Are yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It's, you know, it's been nice weather. I haven't fallen <laughs> off any more <laughs> moving vehicles, which I might get into later on. Um, how are you? How are you doing? Are you off work or are you still working at the moment? No, I'm back at work now, yeah. I'm making jam like the world needs it. The world does need it. The world always so, needs it. How can I, I have it. my scones with clotted cream and jam if there's no jam, Paul? Exactly. Feed the nation. That's our soul, Mark. Absolutely. And uh, Lee, how are you doing? Very well. Very well. Just had a lovely bit of half term for myself as well. Just been down to London with the kids today. Um, minimal vomit. Minimal vomit there. Tower <laughs> of London and horrible histories tours. But oh. they're all good. Lovely day out. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad that everyone's here. We, we have a weirdly high amount of education uh, adjacent people in this team, I am noticing. Obviously, Chris is a teacher, Tom's a lecturer, Lee, 
teachers teachers um so really is the most important of all three and i don't know why you're not captaining the team honestly after meeting you for the first time this weekend <laughs> seem very adept i think uh we should throw a coup all in favor i can't vote <laughs> excellent excellent fantastic well chris have we got anything exciting coming up this week obviously we're great at self-promotion uh, we do like to tell you any shows that we are doing, any videos that are upcoming. What have we got in the pipeline? Um, well, I can tell you for free that we have a grand total of zero videos in the pipeline. Um, you are welcome. Um, well, there will be this in podcast form in the future. So, you know, if you, if you don't That's get true. to play the whole time, then you'll be able to catch it on a repeat or on the podcast. But no, we are not really producing any videos at the moment. But let's remind everyone that in... What would it be like two, three weeks now? We will be smashing down the doors of um, indexes and we've got a whole host of fun ideas planned for that. But no, we are kind of, at the moment, we're just the weekly podcast. There is another podcast coming this week. I don't blame you at all for forgetting it because I haven't talked about it at all. I haven't yeah, even yes, talked to my co-host. Co oh, if yeah, you're yeah. still interested, um, I've just sort of assumed that things will be going on we will be having the first episode of the every other thursday podcast this week it'll be a short short and sweet one hour affair we'll be talking about the reveals that we've seen for 10th edition rating those because as we all know five sentences and a couple of data sheets is all you need to rate new rules uh, especially in addition that none of us have played so we will have the objective facts here for you <laughs> on thursday be there every great square. content out of that it's easy absolutely great content out of that Oh, I, I don't know what you mean. This is important stuff, and we're, we're you know, really setting the record straight on what's going to be the best and what's going to be unplayable. If you have, you know, for example, Chaos Knights, maybe just sell all your models. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see how we get on. So we are here with a couple of faces that you might not have seen um, or not seen as much because we have just had an event in Birmingham, a team event in Birmingham, in fact. And not only were we all here on the team, Team Alpharius, we did have a second sister team going who also did fantastically and had a great time. So we'll be going into each round as we go. And I guess the best place to start is round one. So very quickly, round one, we were playing against a team called North Road Gaming. Now I'm from Durham, up in the northeast, and there is a particularly awful bit of town really scratty at the bottom it's got a yates's at the top it's got a bus station and it's called north road and i saw that team name and i was like <laughs> oh what a funny coincidence i'm sure loads of towns have got a north road uh no it was north road in durham um to which i did give them an appropriate amount of shit for because i said why why have you gone with north road there are every other street in durham is nicer than north road <laughs> but it was it was nice to be talking to my people instead of um okay. as nice as you know everyone here is from you know the midlands and the south it is nice to have a chat with someone else who uh, doesn't really understand manners and social conventions you know northerners as we call them as i call myself <laughs> um so jack do you want to tell us about north road gaming and the pairings shall we uh, talk about our lists first oh we could do that that would be a great idea and something that we discussed before the podcast yeah. uh, i was really just checking to see if you were all awake well, <laughs> well you know what i started with jack so jack uh, do you want to tell us about your list first uh yeah sure uh, i went with tau um gone with tau sept uh long strike <laughs> because why wouldn't you take long strike if you're going tau sept 
Um, then I got a Cold Star Commander fitted out with Airbus and a Domination Launcher. He's just an indirect guy. Got a Tanky Crisis Commander, two units of um, strike teams for objective work. Uh, big, big brick of crisis, um, crisis suits. Two stealth suits, uh, hammerhead, and a big unit of broadsides with SMS. Um, basically, the idea of the list is a full index into uh, indirect fire. Um, the Coastal Commander with the indirect's got the precision of the hunters, so he's quite accurate, and it's basically just there to punish stuff like guard, tyranids. Eldari, that sort of stuff. Um, that'd be a pretty solid um, approach to go for in teams. Uh, I had mixed success with it, as we'll as we'll go into. But that's what I was taking. Yeah, well, if you end up playing into Zinch Demons, I don't think we can expect your indirect. Intentionally, <laughs> intentionally, <laughs> intentionally. Yeah, no claim on the pairings there. Um, yeah. Sometimes you've just got to jump on a bullet, and sometimes you jump on a bullet that you didn't realise was a bullet. But I will speak about that later on uh chris what was your list what were you bringing um so i was on yanari um a lot of the elf lists at the moment have the same kind of stuff so it was um yurinka and then some casters dire avengers striking scorpions howling banshees rangers um shroud runners decannons all the general stuff and then a harlequin light patrol um, so that you get the troop master that runs really far and does absolutely nothing, and then the death jester that is quite good at shooting and either does nothing or makes your opponent cry because it's so broken. Um, with the added caveat that whenever it's charged, it can run away six inches, which um, causes issues for quite a few armies out there. Fantastic, yeah. It is, as you might expect, your usual Eldar bullshit. Um, anyone who's talked to me knows that I'm a firm believer in Burn the Elf, that continues even if he's on my team. I did say to one of Chris's opponents, I hope you beat him, <laughs> um, which is maybe not the attitude you bring to teams, but uh, it was the attitude that I brought to teams. Yes, Thank you very much, Chris. Paul, Paul, oh. Paul, Paul, you were smashing the scene. You were playing Dark Angels to great success, and then they went and took your toys away. They did. But you've got new toys. You brought new different toys. toys. You're one of the only people to still play Dark Angels competitively <laughs> and make my not sad about it. Uh, what what were you bringing? Right, yeah. So I went for a sort of a more sort of mixed list, I guess, a bit of everything. So I've got um, Azrael, the Warlord. Got to bring him. New model. And he's fantastic. Four up in Vanora, two extra CP, and he's a bit of a beat stick. I've uh, got double Talon Masters. One's got... Uh, Rights of War for Obsec Aura, the other one's got Arbiter's Gaze, always hits on twos, and um, I gave him Storm of Fire for a little bit of spice, which is the core units in six inches on sixes to wound do an extra AP. Uh, standard unit of five infiltrators, bit of forward deploy or deep strike deny. Uh, two units of Blade Guard, one of five, one of three. Um, and a big ten-man brick of Terminators with Thunderhammer Storm Shields, missile launchers. Uh, the Blade Guard Ancient with the minus one damage relic. I had the um, just a bare bones Raven with Apothecary, bit of feel no pain, bit of resing, fast moving, cheap character. Just a bog standard cheapo attack bike with a multi melter, a two land speeder tornadoes, salt cannon multi melters, and then a normal land speeder with just a multi melter. And then the nice new little spicy sauce is the thing that I don't think anyone's quite clocked onto just how good they are yet. So after this, they might become the new meta, but I brought uh, two units of five desolators. 
What? <laughs> Both of the Bengals. We haven't been seeing those. It is very lucky that we're coming to the end of the edition because I'm concerned as to what the game would turn into if everyone realised that Desolation Marines, potentially with an upgrade to make one of them damage three on the uh, the captain's weapon that would hit on twos. I am concerned that that could make the game quite unfun to play. But fortunately, mm. like you say, nobody's worked out. I had great time with them. Yeah, I'm sure your opponents. At no point at any game did I ever feel get not be sad about saying super crack. (laughs) (laughs) Going into the uh, yeah, I I find I'm always happy when my opponent steps out of cover to to shoot me, Um, and then they shoot me and I go ah hold on I thought I'd have stuff to shoot back with. It's not how it tends to go. Those super cracks are pretty super. Um, And speaking of someone else who's super, Lee, um, someone that I I think first really talked to this weekend. It was an absolute pleasure. You were very kind, and uh, I sent you around the hotel to find your car keys after I was having a meltdown because I'd left my phone somewhere, and you, you managed to find it to me. You drove me around. Far too kind to me, honestly. What were you bringing with you this weekend? Um, my Astra Militarum Born Soldiers Army, where I can shout pew pew, push little Tonka toys around the table, and have a lovely time. Um, so yeah, I last dusted this army off after painting it up um, from the last tournament, which was uh, the International Teams Tournament. Um, normally I'm an Emperor's Children player, but they're shit at the minute. So I like to win things as, as well. <laughs> so that's when we just to get the, the guard out and destroy people. Um, but yeah, this one is pretty, pretty standard. It's standard stuff. So you've got your Lord Solar, you've got your um, Command Squad, a little bit of spice with an Officer of the Fleet, 25 points that I could have just left at home because it did nothing for me all weekend. A Creed Marshal um, in a Chimera with some Kaskin friends. We had two lots of Kaskin. Three um, Cadian Chop Troops, um, some uh, Scout Sentinels, some Armoured Sentinels, uh, three Plasma Cutioners, <laughs> some were Flamers, some were Bolters, and loads of Mortars, which again underperformed dramatically throughout the weekend because they didn't have really any good targets. Um, so I live and learn, but um, it was still a decent list that did me. Uh, Kindness throughout the weekend. Absolutely, and you had some. Oh no! Can't forget Slime Arbo. I forgot Slime about him because he's always he's always lurking in the shadows. So it's funny. I I completely uh, didn't respect Slime Arbo, but then occasionally I'd look over at a table and he was just doing things that were useful. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to give this a second look. He's a he's a, a scary boy. Fantastic. And uh, just to quickly run through, I was playing Defenders uh, <laughs> Emperor's Chosen, which I expected to have a lot of very close games, and that is not what happened all weekend. Um, I was playing MSU out the arse. I had three units of three Wardens with spears, three units of three Sagittarium with guns. I had Trajan doing all of his good stuff. I had a shield captain on jet bike with a single salvo launcher, because that, you know, you've got to have some anti-tank. Um, I had a Dreadnought, the Achilles Dreadnought with the Spear. He started in Deep Strike every game, mostly to make my opponents play um, more honestly, make sure that they couldn't just step out and leave me a nice charge into them. A small squad of Witch Seekers, which is great into the Elf matchup in case I have to burn the Heretic. And I think that was about it. Single squad of Guard as well. Just, you know, MSU, lots of squad of three. It's hard to wipe them off the table in two turns. Unless you're (laughs) <laughs> Unless you're in round five. But <laughs> teasers, we'll be talking about that one later on. Had a great time. Had a great time. Fantastic. So, slightly out of order, but um, as I was saying, North Road Gaming, terrible name, great people. 
and we played them in round one. Tell us about it, Jack. Yeah, sure. Um, so looking at the Matrix for this one, um, they had Abmech, Chaos Knights, Iron Hands, Death Guard, and Demons. Um, looking at those, pretty much all of us had a good match into the Admech. All of us, Bali Unari, had a good match into the Chaos Knights. Uh, we were a bit mixed into the Iron Hands, but generally quite level. Um, Death Guard, again, was generally quite high, just the Custodians that didn't want to play that one. Um, and then the Demons, which was on the low side, but a couple of people that could play it. So the general approach that I go to for pairings when we look at stuff is uh, you want to get the kind of rough matchups out of the pairing first. So in this one, it's uh, Demons. Uh, so we had a, a, we did a five-point um, pairing system with five buying the highest, one being the lowest. Um, you know, definite loss, small loss, uh, draw, small win, big win, safe win, I guess. Um, so Demons having a one, a two, a two, a four, and a four. We just want that out of the matrix as quickly as possible. Um, in addition, we want to put something down first defender that's not going to um, have a bunch of bad matchups and just immediately get get roasted. You don't you don't want that. Um, which for this purpose, um, make custodies the ideal choice to go down. Um, custodies is a great all comers list, um, as I'm sure Ed will say. Um, so it makes a great defender. Um, and in this case, only had the one bad matchup with death guard, so we could guarantee avoiding that. Uh, and if our opponents put down the other bad matchup that they had, demons, we could take that out of the matrix. Um, and protect both the Yunari and the Tau from it, which were generally more attacker lists. Um, so uh, that's what we started with. Um, Excellent. And then um, we all nailed it. Obviously, Jack nailed pairings all the time. It'd be like, right, it's this. Jack, what do I do now? And obviously, in the past, for me as captain, it's been kind of just like trying to work it out on the fly. But Jack's there. He's hiding the stuff on the spreadsheet. And he's. And I'm just, just sat there going, just like, okay, what do I do now? And um, he was just like, yeah, I remember mostly seeing um, Jack with the, uh, the the Matrix spreadsheet up doing this. When he wasn't quick enough to hide the things, he was sitting there. And he you say not quick enough, this. you mean too drunk to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, the thing about pairings is um, you can sit there and do pairings all day long. Um, and as, as flattering as it is for you to say that um, Smash the Pairings, that you can't really do good pairings unless you have good predictions. And one thing I will say is um, everyone had pretty much spot on predictions for the entire event. And that is just absolutely essential for um, for doing for doing these. Now, that being said, sometimes <laughs> accidents happen, you know, and that is to be expected. But that's um, that's why you pair for um, you kind of want to pair yourself to have no bad matchups and only like draws and small wins and like an even number of small losses, because it's easy to tell someone to push for more points rather than if they're in a drawish matchup, then if they're in a bad match and be like, yeah, you need to get a 10 now. Um, that's just not going to happen. Uh, so that's that's kind of why we do it that way around. Um, so uh, to, to continue on with uh, the pairings, they offered us Iron Hands. Um, and from that, they did indeed offer us um, Death Guard and... Uh, sorry, they offered us Admech and Death Guard, which is not something we were expecting. Um, Custodies we had down as a five, so the best possible matchup for Admech. Um, so we took that one immediately. Um, we offered Yonari and Dark Angels into their Iron Hands. Uh, Dark Angels had a good matchup into it, one of our few. Uh, and Yonari we had as a draw. Um, but the kind of ace ace in the hole we had for this matchup was the Yonari. Um, because we thought that most people would think that Iron Hands have a good matchup into Yonari. Um, but Chris has played the matchup enough times that he knows how to get a draw out of it. Um, so uh, our opponents... Are, on, on North Road, I took that one. North, uh, 
So that gave us a four and a five off the first pairing, um, and uh, took Iron Hands and Admech out. I said about Iron Hands, they were a bit of a middling to bad pairing, so uh, that was good to take out of the Matrix as well. Second round, uh, they offered Chaos Knights, we offered Guard, and they offered Demons and Death Guard into our Guard, and we offered Tau and Dark Angels into their Chaos Knights. <clears throat> Um, so from there we took the Talon to the Chaos Knights, there's five railguns in that list, it's not ideal um, for the for the Chaos Knights, so we thought we'd take that one, also very good leadership on Tal. Um, we had the, uh, they chose the Death Guard to play into our guard, um, and then that left Dark Angels with Demons, which gave us four fours, um, so we paired into a five and four fours, um, which is quite unusual. Um, generally, if you have a Matrix like that, where you're like way above, it's like the other team has a completely different idea of the matchups. Um, so it can be a little bit scary. Like it looks good on the surface, but experience has told me it's like that. That can be the scariest pairing because <laughs> if you've just all got all the pairings wrong. Considering this is the first game that I have with you guys, I had no idea what the pairing, how accurate the pairings were going to be, and I was like, <laughs> oh no. Has <laughs> everyone just predicted a win? <laughs> we're going to get smashed. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's how the pairings went. So, yeah, some of us gave accurate pairings, some of us gave less accurate pairings, and I just want to quickly touch on some of us gave fours for every pairing. Um, Paul, <laughs> hero of the Imperium, hero of six plus plus Alfarius, yeah. um, was th was there to fill the gaps in the Matrix because he was just like, yeah, put me down as a four for that, and and he was pulling through. He was getting you know decent, close to decent wins into things that. I, well, it's hard to say maybe shouldn't have done because who plays that sort of list? Uh, Paul does. And Paul obviously. Paul was the only player to well. meet his prediction in every single game. Apart from yes. the last round. Well, yeah, you know. we can, we'll touch on that one. Yeah, absolutely. The rounds that count. Sure, sure. <laughs> Lovely stuff. All right, so um, how about Chris? Do you want to give us a quick uh, run through of your first game? Yeah, so I was playing into Iron Hands. Um, it wasn't necessarily the standard list. It, didn't, um, it had a few slight changes there. Um, just, I th he, he was used to playing into Eldar that I think probably showed themselves a bit more. Mm. So he went first, had nothing to shoot at. And then <laughs> was like, well, I can't shoot anything, so I'll just stop and go over to you. So I'm like, okay, fair enough. So I just start doing my movement. And he just sits there and goes, oh, God. I'm like, what's up? Totally forgot to find my Desolation Marines. I'm like, okay, well, shall we go back and let you shoot your Desolation Marines then? Um, and, yeah, so basically for two turns, I didn't really let him shoot anything um, and kind of just gave him what I wanted um, while scoring my points. It was, because it was secure missing artifacts, it was a bit harder to get a consistent holding of the objectives because one was out in the open and he was approaching down the open side quite quickly. Um, so I wasn't able to build as big a gap as possible but as we got to turn four I was able to kind of kill enough stuff that I was now pushing up and kind of dealt with all the issues and it felt like quite a messy game I don't feel like I got it right but I kind of did enough so I won 85-74 which was a 12-8 win. Fantastic really good showing um, only dropped eight points I'm sure the rest of the boys you know probably struggled there as well <laughs> surely maybe we'll we'll touch back at that one at the end of the round that is beating uh, your prediction though that is beating your prediction which is the most important thing it exactly is, uh, thank you Jack but I've got to be able to give you shit about something so. <laughs> Lee how was your game um so I played the lovely Sean Temple um great guy um 
he was playing Death Guard. Lots of uh, Plague Marines. The lesser spotted Mortarian as well made an appearance. Um, and I think Sean um, admitted quite openly that he'd not had any practice into Guard. And he hadn't really played the new Guard either. Um, and that's that's where our poor old Sean got unstuck a little bit because he didn't realise um, how potent the banner would be, um, ignoring Mortarian's feeling of pain and things like that. So his army was front and centre on the line, um, all ready to go. He got first turn, brought them out, didn't particularly use the cover, um, just a, a wave of, of Death Guard slowly advancing up the board. Um, Mortarian jumped on the middle objective um, and without his um, layers of, of buffs to stop him being shot um, or, or stop him taking the damage, he ate a load of Kasakin and mortal wounds and then was gone, um, as was a lot of his Pike Marines. Um, so it was, it was short but sweet. Um, again, so lovely guy. It was just um, his inexperience into guard um, made him probably play a little bit too aggressive with his um, units. And then they got pewed, and that was the game, really. Just to, yeah, I was playing next to you. Did you kill Mortarian from eighteen wins to zero with one unit of Kasakin? It on wasn't one. just one unit of Kasakin, but <laughs> pretty much most of the wounds were the. Okay. Well, I can say when you've got like when they've got brutal strength as their, um, as well as born soldiers, mm. and they're firing um, three shots per. Um, gun. You've got a lot of shots, you've got the six mortals and you've got high AP. Um, so he's, all, he's just taking four ups. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> doesn't see to understand how much damage that squad does. Uh, fortunately, um, it'll be going away soon and I'm sure they won't be printing anything like that for Guard in 10th edition. I'm looking forward to much more reasonable damage coming from them. <laughs> That's after they've been neutered as well. That's without their 18 mortal wounds flying around the board. And the world breathes a sigh of relief. And uh, I don't think anyone sheds a tear for those poor guard players. Um, fantastic. Paul, how was your game? Oh, I had a great game. I was playing um, a lovely guy called Tom Wilkinson. Uh, he was obviously playing his Chaos Demons. He had what I'd call a, a smorgasbord of everything. So we had the Unkillable Bloodthirster. We had a Changecaster, the Lord of Change, Impossible Robe. And it was like just lots of little MSU, Bloodletters, Blue Horrors. Demonettes, Beasts of Nurgles, Fiends, Flamers, all the little... He even had some Flesh Hounds and a Burning Chariot, that legend. And a Skull Cannon, that was the best one. Never see a Skull Cannon. So it was nice to see one of them table. Um, yeah, so that one um, basically... <clears throat> it started off, I... I can't remember if I went first or second. Uh, let me just check. Um, where's my list? Yeah, so I went first. I basically put all my buffs on my Terminators and just threw them into the middle. Um, I basically got everything that could see and to shoot at the Bloodthirster to try and take the um, eight wounds off him in the phase. Um, and he just made all of his four-up saves. I think I did three wounds to him in that one turn of shooting with everything firing into him. Obviously, I was, all the out-of-line-of-sight shooting went off to try and start chipping down his big ten-wound blobs to get max blast against him with D3 shots. Um, and then his turn, the Bloodthirster comes charging into the Terminators, kills a few of them, they do some the full eight wounds to him, and then <clears throat> subsequent turn on my turn, I kill him, I think. Um, and then it was just a case of just 
my desolators were literally just between the desolators and the two talon masters i was just deleting units for fun anything that came anywhere that i could see them talon masters were killing them anything that was hiding out of line of sight desolators were killing them um and i think it then just spiraled out of there and um ended up with quite a, a comfortable win i mean it was still a good fun game uh but it was an 18-2 win so i was very happy with that one not a bad showing at all jack how did you fare in round one well, um, I was up against uh, Ben, playing his Chaos Knights. Um, so, upon speaking to Ben, he, he seemed to have an issue with the terrain. Um, it seems that wherever he plays locally, um, kind of uses a modified UKTC. Um, and so, he kind of struggled to, to find anywhere to put his Knights. Um, he put one in reserve, uh, the one with the big Relic Laser Cannon. Uh, and then he had another one, the Abominant, on the board, and as well as his seven... Um, Armages. Armages. There we go. Yeah, armages. War dogs. That's the right word. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was able to hide three of them, and four of them were exposed. I rolled for the first turn, which I got. Um, and uh, on the first turn, I killed a knight and got his abominant down to five wounds. Um, thanks to just long strike and broadsides. Um, he ran at me. Um, my turn comes. I kill four more armages. Um, <laughs> that is brutal. And uh, I was able to finish off the uh, five wound knight. Um, his turn comes around. He gets a charge with one of his um, D3 plus three damage, the claw armages. Uh, he charges it into long strike. Um, and it's kind of like his opening into the game because if he gets that, he can do some consolidation elegans and get into the broadsides and stuff like that. Um, but I decided that I'd just roll a six on the overwatch and um, <laughs> kill him stone dead instead with the railgun. <laughs> Um, oh, so, so you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, better to be lucky than good um, in that case, because um, I did kind of leave him leave him an opening there. Um, but yeah, at that point, uh, the Coldstar Commander was just because he had all indirect damage, strength four and five. It was doing nothing, so he just took his Onager Gauntlet out and started punking knights. He killed four of them across the game, um, or four armages across the game. Uh, but on, on turn four, he had one armager left on one wound, and the um, uh, Desecrator, I think the knight's called, um, on the center. Um, I was able to kill both of those. I killed the Desecrator in the center. He used the strat to get back up. I charged it, killed it again. Um, and then that was, that's all he had left. Um, so I scored the uh, the Tau 100, which is 97. Um, the max we can score. Um, and uh, yeah, it left it as a, he got 40 points off of me. So that was a 20, 20 zero for me. Very nice, very nice. So just to recap, um, that was an 18-2 from Lee, an 18-2 from Paul, a 20-0 from Jack. And uh, my game was into Amber. We had a fantastic time. Um, Amber, I think a little bit more of a newer player. She said she'd only played um, 10, 12 games of 9th edition, something along those lines. Um, she went first, moved a fair chunk of her army into the middle of the board. And I went, I wasn't expecting this. Had to use Trajan to reorder my guitars. Went to Durendax, the one that's good against vehicles. Made some charges, killed some stuff, wrapped and trapped, and then I was at a point where she was unable to shoot anything, and I had all of my army staged to make m more charges in turn two. So that was a, a pretty quick blowout there, which was a, a 20 0 as well. So, just to summarize there, really fantastic. A couple of 20 0s, a couple of 18 2s, and then a 12 8. I think that was really letting down the side there, Chris. You, yeah, uh, I know. I did, you dropped did. double the points of the rest of the team. Um, <laughs> my, my favourite part here was 
Uh, the rest of us had finished our games, and none of us had told Chris how we'd done. So Chris was sweating there right <laughs> up until the last couple minutes of the round. We we're like, should we tell him that we've all like 20 or 18 <laughs> like Nah, nah, we'll just let him keep sweating for that 12. <laughs> but yeah, lovely, lovely round we came out. 88-12, I think it was. So uh, a great start. There was another team that had outperformed us. They were, I think, 92-8, which was a really strong showing. Um, but... Yeah, fantastic. So coming into round two, um, as with all sequels, we we had a team with a fantastic name, and it was Try Hard 2, Try Harder, which is just a great name for a team, uh, especially facing them on the second round. It felt very thematic. I think it was only outdone by the other team, which was Try Harder with a Vengeance. <laughs> that was, yes, also, also a good name. But I mean, we didn't get a play into the trilogy, unfortunately, so you've got to take what you can get. Um, so this is, we've been talking about, you know, correct pairings, and I've been ribbing Chris about letting the team down. Um, we'll be getting to my, my contribution <laughs> into this round, where I thought I knew how something was going to go, and it didn't. Um, do you want to give us a quick run through the, the pairing process on this one, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. So they had Demons, GSC, Yanari, Space Wolves, and World Eaters. Um, as will become the running three theme in this, uh, demons were kind of rough for us. I imagine demons are rough for everyone. Um, GSC, uh, we had a mix. Uh, some people could handle it, some people couldn't. Um, we had, you know, Garden Dark Angel the four, Unarian Tower with a two into that one. Um, I put myself as a two because I've not played against GSC before, and they're notorious for just punking people that don't know how to play against them. So I didn't want to risk that one for myself. Um, so balance, but a bit swingy. Um, Yanari we had good matches across the board for, um, Space Wolves um, on the low side of draw, as was the same for World Eaters. So the goal here was um, more to take the Space Wolves and possibly the Demons out of the Matrix. We could, it seemed unlikely I could get them out, but we'll see what we could do. So we have with Custodes again. Um, again, Custodes just became the default choice, um, just because they're so flat in their matchups, they tend not to have anything like too polarizing. Um, so we were able to put that down again, uh, and then they offered us World Eaters as their defender. Makes sense, they score very well passively, so it's a good defender army as well, um, with an option to push. Uh, we offered Dark Angels and Guard into that, and they offered Space Wolves and Demons into us. So we decided to take the Space Wolves uh, out of the Matrix, uh, because the uh, Demons again was just, it was kind of rough for um, the Custodes. Um, so we'd rather give the Custodes a good matchup, because they had a 4 down, Chris put them down as a 4. Uh, and then take the rough, because that was our only four into Space Wolves. Uh, we thought, ah, we'll take that out of the Matrix. That's excellent. Just um, a little bit of context there. Um, <laughs> I played into Chris Radford a lot, uh, who is a fantastic Space Wolves player. And I feel like I know how Space Wolves play. And I thought, this is a matchup that I think is probably quite close. My strats are quite good into Space Wolves. They've got a lot of units. But I really know how that army plays in and out. So no worries. I can take this. I think my knowledge of it pushes it up to, you know, a bit of a win for me. And that was what I put it down as. Uh, if you want to continue there before yep. we get back to my shame. Uh, so we put Guard into World Eaters. Uh, we had that as a draw matchup. Seems fine, makes sense to me. Um, I don't know this matchup at all. <laughs> I, I am still um, fairly new to 40k. Matchups aren't my speciality. I just I just move the numbers about. You tell me what the numbers are. Um, so Guard seemed to score passively. So that seemed like fair enough. So that was a, a draw matchup. Um, so yeah, we took Space Wolves and World Eaters out of the Matrix, which is pretty good uh, for us, uh, as well as securing a good matchup for the Custodes. So we then both uh, teams offered their Yonari. Um, 
interesting thing about the um, second defender in five-man teams is that's basically the role of like you're the precious, the, you're the precious baby. We're going to protect you. We're going to give you the matchup you want. Um, so that's like the the coveted uh, uh, spot of um, we're going to look after you. We're going to pair for you. Um, so into that they offer demons and GSC, and then into their Yunari for Dark Angels and Tau. Um, we decided to put Yunari into their demons uh, because that was a draw matchup. We had a so we had a one and a two in there. We didn't want to um, give a rough matchup there. Um, put Tau into Yunari. Had that down as a four. My list is designed to fight low toughness stuff, um, and I had just uh, come off the back of a practice game with Chris, um, so I was fairly confident I could get the better of that matchup. Uh, and then we had Dark Angels into, into GSC. Um, it was one of Chris's, uh, sorry, one of Paul's many fours, um, and it was kind of what was left. So I didn't really mind. Uh, didn't it felt like I didn't. No matter what I do, Paul just seemed to get a four in his pairings. It's so weird how that happened. No matter what I did, you they just kept yourself. getting those. Four. That's how it works. <laughs> um, so yeah, Custodians in Space Wolves, Garden to World Eaters, Yunari into Demons, Town to Yunari, and then Dark Angels into GSC, which is a four, a three, a three, a four, and a four, which is sort of more what I would expect from a, a even matrix. Fantastic, yeah. So some some good matchups there. I think we generally felt quite good about that one. Uh, as I was going to my table, Chris did pull me and say, "We're looking for a win from you here." Genuinely did say that to me, um, and I was like, mm, "Okay." I I now feel like maybe I've over oversold it, but it's fine. I I can you know get like a twelve or a fourteen or something. So I'll starve because uh, I shit the bed. Uh, basically, <laughs> I did not respect how many units that the list had. I know what the list does but I've typically played it with shooting armies. And a shooting army into a melee army plays significantly differently. Even though they've got so many units to activate into me and I've got to be careful, I can still you know, split my fire and pick up more things than my opponent's comfortable with, yada yada. So I played Sam Nash, who is um, a very good player. Um, I had heard of him beforehand, so I was a little bit at that point going... Mm. Maybe this was a bad choice, but it'll be fine. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I know how Space Wolves play. Um, I made some... I think my, my decision-making was mostly okay. I staged in the ruins. He made some charges. Uh, he is wolfing kind of bounced a little bit because of my strats. He killed a grand total of three wardens, which I wasn't too worried about. Left me with plenty of stuff that I could go out. And I sent my Venetari out to kill a second unit of wolfen. I felt like if I've dealt with a second unit wolfen... Um, I am okay. As a melee army, I can take the swing back, and then I can kill him. Wolf and famously fight on death, so it's very hard to trade up into them. He can, you know, if I make charges into Sam's army, he can interrupt in one place, his wolf and can sweep another unit, and suddenly I'm left with a lot, of, a lot less stuff than I should have on my own turn. So I wanted to get rid of those. I did, unfortunately, fa fail a five-inch charge with a reroll, um, which was not great. And it was that point that I saw, you know, my 11 to 9, if I'm being optimistic, or maybe like a 9 to 11, something along those lines, turn into a 0 20. That was the point where I realized, oh no, <laughs> because I had staged a lot of stuff and I was using that Venetari charge to neuter the Wolfen and to protect myself. And then I was going to tag the other unit that was in there and everything was going to be grand. So when I didn't make that charge, what happened was, predictably, the Wolfen came out. Also, key to note, um, I was planning on the wolf and killing the Venetari on the swingback, which would have been great, because if I'd done that, he wouldn't have been able to make the charge that he did make with his character. Space Wolves, for those of you who don't know, have a warlord trait where your 
Warlord gets advance and charge, and once you've made a successful charge, everyone in an aura around you gets advance and charge. So it's something you really want to avoid in the matchup. It makes them a lot faster into you. And I was like, cool, he's not going to be able to advance and charge into me and then next turn get charges because, you know, the models he'd charge into would be dead. This is perfect. It's worked out. It didn't work out. <laughs> in my next turn, I was now swinging for the fences. I was trying to pull back as many points as possible. I realized I'd lost the game. I was like, cool, I've got to scrape as much as I can. This is a team. I can't just you know, go out kicking and screaming. So I sent Trajan up. He was going to get me some behind enemy line points. He was going to scrape me some no prisoner points. He was going to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a threat, a bit of a nuisance, hopefully tie up the desolators specifically. Uh, he failed a six inch charge with a reroll. This was not what lost me the game. I'd lost the game already, but this was really insult to injury. And uh, yeah, it didn't get any better than that. Um, basically, the game ended at... Uh, I did manage to scrape it back a little bit, and I got a 119, which is something. I, I was sat there going, I've lost this round for the team um, because I was so wrapped up in trying to work out how to win or pull back the defeat from my game that I was not paying attention. Um, fortunately... It wasn't quite as dire as I thought. Um, so, Paul, how about your four? How was your four matchup this round? Oh, just sorry. Before we yeah, go so... into Paul's oh. game, just as a <clears throat> side note for anyone doing teams, if you have a situation where you're like predicting a win or or a draw or something like that, and you just like everything goes wrong and you get a one or, yeah, or a zero, shit the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit the bed. Um, even though it sucks, the most important thing you need to do at that point, which you realise that's going to happen, you need to take the walk of shame to your captain. You need to tell him you're getting a zero. Um, because from there, or your coach, if you have one, because they can inform the rest of the team um, how to play accordingly. Um, because your draw games might need to push at that point, or your win games might need to go make into like point style mode for their opponent. Um, and yeah, as Ed says, um, playing for even one point is absolutely worth it. It's not that hard. You only get, You only have to get at most the 55 um in order to get one point and you know one two points they can absolutely swing around so um it's always worth going into sorry it worked to, out. To no no it, it worked out very well because the two times i shit the bed i was stood next to chris uh pick my tables very carefully there so that was that was good now far to go <laughs> back to you paul yeah so um i played against um james march lovely guy he was bringing uh gsc good stuff so, you know, he had, I think he had about a thousand different characters that all did their own unique fancy little stuff. He had about a hundred thousand neophytes. Um, he had the big three bricks of ten bikes all loaded out. Um, and then a unit of ten pure strange gene stealers. Um, so basically he gave up all the assassinate, all the no prisoners. Um, so I was like, cool, what secondary does I take? I oh, know, assassinate no prisoners. And then, because it was the um, first of the six mission objective data ones, scry. it was the data scry salvage, I was like, shock tactics, let's take that one. He's got to sit on at least two objectives, maybe even three to score any primary. I'm just going to, if he doesn't do that, I'm winning on primary. And if he does it, I'm shock tacticking him off it every turn that I can. Um, <clears throat> as it went, um, I went first. He put all his blips down. Um, I basically sort of moved my army up, jumped onto a couple of the objectives, staged to get onto the third objective that's sort of to the right to my deployment zone um and i was like right okay you can reveal your army and needless to say there was 30 bikes halfway across the board and then he had a couple of characters in his back rune and a, a couple of characters in the l just in front of it and i was sitting there I was thinking you you are these characters protected he was like no no there's nothing nearby i was like 
so I can shoot them? And he goes, well, yeah, if you can see them. And I was like, but I've got desolators. He goes, oh, yeah. And I was like, did you want to move things? He was like, no, nope, that's my mistake. I've done it. I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, I was like, I'm going to shoot your characters now. <laughs> so I proceeded to desolate. Uh, I took out the banner guy that reses the models. I was like, because I don't want any of that jank where I kill like nine of them and then he passes his morale and then three more jump forward and jump onto an objective. Um, and the, the game proceeded where I basically was just max shotting desolators and talent masters into his big blocks of anything that came down. He, he would jump onto an objective. I would put a unit on there, shoot it off, get um, my shock tactics, and then I'd shoot off what was ever on the fourth objective and go, you'll get a zero on primary. And uh, I proceeded to do that for five turns. Um, so it, and I maxed out all my secondary. So yeah, it was a 135 win to me. Unfortunately, it was <laughs> quite a strong showing. Brutal. Which was fantastic because we absolutely needed a strong showing after my uh, my game there. So uh, back to, I think maybe the only sort of slightly harder pairing that we had expected going in, um, given that you had reported your scores more correctly than me. How was your game, Lee? Um, <clears throat> difficult on many levels. So I was playing into uh, Tristram Allen. Again, absolute gentleman, lovely guy. Um, we both got really anxious during this game, which was quite funny. It was like I was actually in the trenches with my army. <laughs> And he was the berserking uh, horde coming across the board at me. It was quite tense. We were kind of uh, both quite nervous because we didn't really know what was going on near the other tables and it was a close game. Um, but yeah, absolutely lovely guy. Um, so it was a difficult one for me. I've never played World Eaters. Don't know enough about their rules. Um, in the matchup, I was like, right, what do we know? Um, we know that if I get anywhere in his charge ranges, that's a bad thing. He's going to be tagging everything I own, um, consolidating, piling into other tanks, and that's going to that would be the end of the game. So I'm going to have to sit back a couple of turns, shoot as well as possible, and try and uh, get rid of some of his resources before I can actually come out and start holding objectives. Um, and on Data Scry Salvage, there's loads of objectives. Um, his passive scoring was way and above uh, what I could achieve. Inflexible. Brilliant, I can probably get 15. Um, boots on the ground. My list is only designed with only three lots of Cadian Chop Troops and some Kassikin to probably score somewhere between 8 to 12 on a really good matchup. Um, so then I've got the third objective. Can't take banners because everything I could banner equals a charge into myself. Um, so I was really struggling with my final um, secondary. Um, so I had to take... Um, actually, what did I take? We'll come back to that because I can't remember. But um, it basically, I had to stretch the board. I had to hide in the corners and uh, try and find shooting lanes, which I did. I killed a lot of his stuff, but found that World Eater's passive scoring relies on you killing his stuff. Um, the game probably came down to two big moments. Um, one, when I got a rhino, which was holding an objective down to one wound. And then uh, Tristram, I think he saved around 16 saves on a three up um, and was left on one wound, securing that uh, objective, gaining some primary points. And another where I left one berserker to charge into with my um, sentinels with chainsaws to get myself onto an objective and remove him. And again, failed a four inch charge. Again, lots of points. Um, so I think it ended 12-8. Think possibly a 12 8, but 
But um, he definitely deserved the win. I think it was my lack of knowledge and understanding of uh, the scoring and possibly the uh, the eight bound and all the things that they could do really kind of threw that one out of my uh, comfort zone. It was a thirteen-seven, but yeah, you you played it exactly the right way. You 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 just stay away from them as much as possible, like you said, and just try and whittle them down as quick as possible. While but like you said, their secondary scoring is absolutely insane and. As long as they're standing on an objective, they're getting primary, and at the same time, every time you kill them, they're getting points for it. So it is a very difficult. They, they will always score well. I think. I think it's hard to get them. It'd be hard pressed to twenty and zero world eaters. I think unless you yeah absolutely smash them with bodies of orcs and things like that. I found it very difficult as well because I think I think you said from the, on turn one, some of them had a thirty something inch charge range, and people jumping out of rhinos could have an eleven inch disembark. So with yeah, the so staging pre-game move two on, units as well. Yeah, and with the staging that you can have on Data Scry from behind those small ruins with eight bound things like that, it means you can never leave your uh, deployment zone unless you push right into a corner because yeah. you, you close that distance. Difficult. Difficult, but a close a close game. Um, it's quite a fun one when you've got two armies that are diametrically opposed like that. You don't want to get close; you want to shoot. He wants to only get close and not get shot. Um, it is a it is a difficult one when you fall out of the parameters you've set yourself. The other one that we had scored a sort of like a close game. Chris, how did your game go? So yeah, this is a really interesting one. Um, I played a little bit into demons before, but this actually was a monster mash list. So you had Bellacor, he had um, the Unkillable Bloodthirster, he had Lord of Change, and he had the Keeper of Secrets. And the thing with that list is it actually doesn't leave much room for anything else. So we had a couple of three-man flamey units, um, a unit of demonettes, and then two ten-man pink horror blobs. It doesn't actually have that much a great ability to hold objectives. I don't have um, a huge amount of object, but I have enough to build up kind of an advantage early on. So I was like, I was worried about how am I going to kill all of these big things because we know Bellacore is really hard to kill. Um, the Lord of Change is going to be really hard to kill. Um, Alex is really worried about this game. Alex is like, ah, oh, this was the one matchup I really, really didn't want. Um, I'm like, okay, well, you never know. We never know how it goes. And basically, what happened was I got first turn, and um, there was this keeper of secrets sat in the middle of the deployment zone. I was like, that's quite a juicy target because. Eldari have a strat to re-roll, hit some wounds. So they did a bit of plink fire. The five striking scorpions went in. Boom. No more Keeper of Secrets. So that was a very strong start. Meanwhile, on the left flank, I've been able to put two units of Shroud Runners and a Star Weaver to shoot down an angle into his ten demonets. So I've now wiped away just kind of like one um, flank for free. Um, and immediately, because, you know, you know are obviously very good if they go first at putting that forward pressure on, it just really held him back. And from then on, it was kind of like, I think I've kind of got this in the bag, really, because he's never, I, for quite a few turns, I can stop him from scoring any primary, because um, I've got Harlequin units to throw away. I've got a flank sorted now to um, score my behind enemy lines all the time. And, you know, he started pushing forward, but, you know... Um, I did the 16 wounds I needed to the Bloodthirster in turn 2, so when it came out we got to go and kill 3 Shroud Runners, and then that died. And the game kind of ended with him having um, 10 pinks and a Lord of Change just sat in one corner. 
but he wasn't going to be able to get to um, close to 50. So the game finished 94.35. So I regained some honour and got my 20 home. Yeah, it's one way of saying it. The other way of saying it is you also absolutely bailed my ass out. Um, <laughs> so, so big thanks there. And uh, finally, Jack, how was your round two? Yeah, so uh, my opponent, uh, his name's Matt, uh, Ben Yunari. Um, he was basically running almost the exact same list as Chris. I think the only difference is he had a Shadow Seer in there. I'm not sure if Chris has one of those. Um, but that was ba it's basically the same other than that. Um, so it started out, um, he forward deployed kind of aggressively. Got, um, I got the first turn though, so he Phantasm some of it back and... Some jaggery. And the way he played this, he was kind of obsessed with getting behind enemy lines and warp ritual out, um, to probably the detriment of his like, overall game. He kind of tunneled on it a little bit. Um, so uh, what ended up happening was his, uh, uh, the, I think it's a warlock on a bike, a skyrunner on a bike, um, ended up like jumping out, doing the uh, warp ritual, and then quickening back, but behind a building where nothing was there. Um, so I could just indirect him and i was like okay i i'll try to ask like is there anything i can is he got the the power from the shadow seer no okay I, I guess i'll just shoot him then uh and i completely whiffed it and did like two wounds um and i'm like damn that was a really good opportunity really sad to let that go so he came out he does warp ritual again quickens him and goes back into the same spot like, <laughs> okay so i guess i'll just not move and shoot him again uh and i did kill him this time um i thought cool that's basically his easy warp ritual sorted if he wants to Get it. If he wants to get the last point on warp ritual now, he's going to have to sacrifice a load of stuff. So I, I didn't really mind that too much, because um, I'd gone uh, remembering my um, game from Chris. I'd gone grind them down. So um, anytime he pokes something out like that, uh, it gives me the option to to try and shoot it down. I, it's a it's a great counter by hand in eight lines basically, um, which again it's another thing he was going for obsessively um, in this game. Um, with this two four deploys, it was a unit of rangers and a unit of scorpions. I killed the rangers first, and I was on it with the incarn. I was like, are you going to put the incarn down? No, I'm not. Cool. There's some other stuff. I was thinking about other things. I shot the scorpions, killed them dead, and then I, I looked down. I was like, okay. I was like grabbing my book or something like that, and I came when I put my head back up, the incarn was there. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's just tried to pop up there. I don't, I don't like that. Um, I'm like, are you sure you want him to go down? I was like, he's like, yes. I'm like, okay. These broadsides haven't shot yet, so I'm going to shoot Real all of them. <laughs> I'm going to shoot this at the Yinkan. Um, fortunately, he had some lucky saves with the four ups. He still had him five wounds, and he charged my crisis brick with the commander. Um, and in a hilarious turn of events, um, for a second game in a row, uh, the Yinkan put three attacks onto my crisis commander, got two through, and I passed two five ups, and then proceeded to kill him with said commander, um, which is exactly what I did against Chris. Um, so it's, it. You know, it's not. He's a bastard. He is yeah, a yeah, bastard, that commander. If I had a penny for every time that happened, I'd have two pennies, which is, <laughs> you know, it's it's not a lot, but it's weird to happen twice. Your troop master with his commander, it seems like it does a better job. Twenty <laughs> percent. Yeah. Well, um, from that point, um, he basically had uh, no real combat pressure to threaten me with, um, and I was able to move forward very aggressively, um, killing characters, stuff like that. He kept throwing stuff uh, at me to get the behind enemy lines and the warp ritual which just let me rack up grind points. Um, and then uh, by, I think it was turn three, he, he had nothing left. Um, so I was able to max out primary um, from that point and get my uh, decisive action and aerospace maxed out as well. Uh, so I ended 92 to 61. 
um, which is an 18-2. Perfect. Another strong showing there. And that left us 64-36. to 36. So that was a nice, solid win, despite my best efforts. <laughs> Going into round three, um, I had been doing some psyops, I guess you could call it. So we, in round three, we were playing against Trash Wargaming. Now, Trash Wargaming is captained by Matt Palmer. Uh, Matt, I'm, I've known Matt for quite a while. He was my first proper competitive game of 8th edition when I got back into the hobby after like a 8-9 year breakout. And he destroyed me. He absolutely ruined me. I had some Hell Blasters sat on top of a bit of Games Workshop scenery, one of those really nice buildings that you never see used in any competitive um, formats in ninth. And he had Gene Steelers everywhere. He'd wrapped and trapped me. He'd made me very sad. Um, had a great game. Really enjoyed playing him. But he absolutely destroyed me. Um, since then, Matt and I have paired in a few events. And I wouldn't say that he's my nemesis. I wouldn't say that at all. I love playing Matt. I enjoy it. But I might be his nemesis because I keep matching into him in the final round of events with just <laughs> lists that are either good against him or just way more cutthroat. Um, I played him at the London, the, the LGT RTT on Monday after the main event. He was playing a reasonably fun list after he'd taken his more cutthroat list at the main event. I was playing the same Leviathan Warriors. So that was a great time for me. Um, we played at Coventry. I was playing Tau. He was playing Nids. It was long deployment. I got to shoot him. It was great times. So um, I'd definitely seen him around and been like, oh, so, you know, how do you how do you pair Wes? You know, I'd, I'd love to play you again at this event. Not expecting to actually be paired into him. But then we did. So, of course, as soon as we got paired into Trash War Gaming, I went over to the table and I was like, cool, Matt, you and me, we're going to have a, a great time. Um, you know, really just dialing up the 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 fear there which may have led to some interesting pairings. Um, Jack, can you talk about the pairings for round three there? Should we just give a quick shout out to Vic VJ in the chat, who obviously Team Ignite, and big congratulations on their win at the tournament. Well done. Absolutely. Well done, Dick, well done. Well I am a little sad that we didn't pair into you in the last round. I've been saying for a long time that I'd like to play you, but uh, now that I've put it out there into public record, maybe it'll happen. Huh. <laughs> Dreams do come true. Absolutely. Well, I had another dream come true in round five, but we'll we'll get to that one as well. Uh, Jack, how did we go about pairing into Trash Wargaming? So um, you have to forgive me. I think I accidentally deleted the uh, Matrix um, at some point on the event. Uh, I'm I was drinking quite heavily. That's absolutely something I could have done. So um, yeah, so I'm kind of missing it from my memory. Um, Demons was once again not great for us. Um, we had the Grey Knights, which we had fairly solid matchups into, with the exception of myself um, on the Tau. Um, so I should go, uh, we've got Grey Knights, we've got Zinch Demons, Guard, uh, Custodies, uh, Shadow Keepers Custodies, I believe it was, uh, and Harlequins, Light Harlequins, I'm pretty sure. Twilight. Twilight. Yeah. Um, so the main issues here were for us with the Demons. Um, the Grey Knights, we, as I said, were fairly solid against. The Guard was pretty flat. Custodies. Um, um, pretty flat as well, and then the Harlequins are on the good side of flat, I think. Um, so we decided to drop the Custodies again. Um, the two bad matchups of Guard and Harlequins, if we could pull those out, um, it would have made us a lot happy, happier. Um, and then they offer, they put down Harlequins versus the best of my memory. Uh, we offered them Dark Angels and Guard, because we thought they were to do quite well into the, into the um, Harlequins. Uh, and they offered us Grey Knights and Guard, which is not something that we expected to see go down. 
um, <laughs> because Grey Knights was our it was a one good matchup for Grey Knights. Um, that's for now, I'm not saying that I'd scared Matt into avoiding playing me, but that might be why they gave us Grey Knights. I'm just saying. Yeah, um, it may there may have been a couple of reasons for it. They may have thought they had a different edge of the match. They might have thought it was drawish for them, um, or they maybe they thought they had no good matchups with the Grey Knights, and they were just um, giving the bus, as it were. Uh, I'm not sure, um, but regardless, we took Grey Knights into or took Custodians to the Grey Knights, uh, and then we took the Garden to the Harlequins. Um, that so that's a four and a three for us. Uh, so next we put down the Yanari in the coveted second defender spot. Uh, and they put down guard, uh, us offering Dark Angels and Tau, them offering Demons and Custodies. Um, so we put the Yanari into the Custodies, um, Chris was pretty confident in that matchup, so I was happy for that. Uh, we put the Dark Angels into the guard, which is, um, Paul was one of his not-so-confident matchups, um, but, uh, you know, it's... Yeah, well, just just to clarify, and not so confident, um, Paul had put down four fours and a singular three. Ah, so no. Paul's less confident pairing was, this I is, think I can make this a close game. This is a tie on my behalf. Um, Paul actually put a four for guard. And I <laughs> yeah, put a one, one. Yeah, I put a one for, for demons. So what had ended up happening here was um, we had a choice here. We could either put the um, demons, in, sorry, the Tau into the custodies, um, and then the dark in, and the you know into the demons and the swap it round essentially, um, which would give us two draws and a small win. Um, but what we decided to do instead um, was bust myself and put myself into the one matchup because you say we guarantee... decided this. You decided. Yes, you decided. Because that gave us two fours with for the both the Yanari and the Dark Angels. Um, both of them have been playing really well. There's seen no reason why we shouldn't do that. Um, and, you know, if I can get one point out of the most notoriously bad matchup for Tau that there is, um, I'll take that any day of the week. Um, so we ended up pairing to four, uh, sorry, three fours, a three, and a one. And, uh, yeah, we got the, got the round started. Fantastic. Do you want to just give a quick summary? You don't have to go into details if it's too scarring for you. Um, how was your, your game three? <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, there was a couple of... It probably would have been like one or two points for myself. Um, there was just a lot of... Uh, my opponent was absolutely incredible player. I mean, I've not played against Mono's Inch Demons yet. That was the first time. Um, so I was also in an experienced advantage. Um, I thought I could make get a couple of points out of it, but there was just a couple of things like 11-inch charges being made, 40 million shots being shot from Flamers killing characters um, that unfortunately just, just, just pushed me... I think it was like three points below what I needed for a one because uh, I was missing some primary and stuff. Uh, so that was unfortunate. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a bad matchup. Everyone knows Tau into the Demons is a bad matchup and Zinch Demons is even worse. So yeah, there's not really much to say. I shot and it didn't die. <laughs> yeah, Tau, Tau into Demons is playable potentially if you've got the volume of fire, but I have yet to play into Zinch Demons and felt good about it as Tau. It's, uh, yeah. it's pretty miserable. But thank you very much for jumping on uh, the sword in that game because that did leave us with four very good matchups or three good matchups and one okay matchup. Um, I guess the, the matchup that we had as sort of a, a middling was the guard into the Harlequins. So that was Yuli. How did you feel that game went? Um, I think it was a bit of a, a game of resources because obviously um, the Harlequins were set up to uh, score behind enemy lines. They were looking to... Um, do warp ritual 
Um, no, not Wolf Ritual. What's the uh, Chris? Help me out here. Harlequin Secondary, where no, they're uh, yeah doing something. Been so long, there. I've forgotten already. But yeah, it's quite a good. Uh, one. You can just do it on different units and yeah. Yeah. So um, so that was kind of the setup we were looking at. Whereas I had a, a huge amount of output, and on that board, if you manage to push out of your deployment zone to the right, you open up some decent firing lanes. Um, we veil. Then it kind of. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Um, so the, the game really started out with um, him sending over units piecemeal to try and uh, get into my backfield to score behind enemy lines. Obviously, each turn lo losing resources. I managed to cut some nice angles up in those first couple of turns as well to uh, pop a couple of boats, which was really good as well. So I could open my mortars into some of his units. Um, and it basically came down to me trying to just wear him down so I could. Um, Barbican's key my caskin into a hole um, and eventually when his, his unit started depleting um, that hole appeared and again I, I think I popped two boats and killed the contents and a couple of his characters in that one turn which was a massive change in direction for the game because he'd been scoring quite nicely in those first two turns. Um, just to give my opponent a shout out as well that was Ben Pierce, a man with a very strong crop game and a lovely mullet <laughs> to boot as well. So. Uh, I just jiving him all the way through the game, saying that they should be playing first team rugby. They're out of luck, but uh, he'd never <laughs> been near a rugby pitch. Very surprised. Um, but absolutely lovely guy. Um, so that was the big swing of the game. It was the casking bomb, demecking, and then um, the resources were gone. He had nothing to play with, and I, I kind of pushed through those last couple of turns and scoring some big numbers. Uh, I think it ended sixteen four. It was, it was, it was a good show in there. Um, just piggybacking off what you said about mullets, um, I guess I better talk about my opponent, a lovely guy called Peter. I won't try and pronounce his last name because I will get it wrong and I'll be very sorry if I did. Uh, Peter was also sporting a fantastic mullet, but not only did he have a fantastic mullet, he had socks that said fuck on them, which came up about an hour and a half in because... I, I don't think it necessarily changed the course of the game. It's a very rough game for the Grey Knights, but he had some very poor roles throughout the game. And at one point he shouted, Ah, socks! And I just sort of looked at him and I was like, Socks? And he uh, pulled his, his foot up and socks that said fuck all over them, which I thought was the funniest thing. <laughs> I'm an absolute toddler. So uh, for the rest of the game, whenever anything, anytime anything went wrong, we were just, Ah, socks! Um, fantastic. Absolutely recommend getting yourself some socks with fuck on them and some sandals and a mullet to complete the look. Um, but yeah, this was, you know, a matchup, a dream matchup for me. I was playing into a, a faction who really like to shoot things with low armor. They've got storm bolters, they've got AP1, they've got some AP2. It's hard for them to go above that in the shooting phase. Obviously, I'm going to be touching cover. I'm going to be having a one-up save on most of my stuff. No worries. Grey Knights. Psychic powers, but a loads of smites. Uh, well, he failed a lot of his smites, but it wouldn't have mattered anyway because I've got to feel no pain against them. So this is absolutely a matchup that I feel very comfortable in. I know how to play into Grey Knights. I've played into quite a lot of Grey Knight players. I still have the scars from the five Dread Knight meta. Um, I played shooting armies into that. That was a great time. So I, I felt very confident going into it. Um, Peter went first, moved out. You know, just started staging, didn't achieve much. No, that's a lie, sorry, I went first. Um, I, I moved up stage, didn't achieve much. Then he came out, tried to answer, nothing died. Uh, at that point, I made some long charges. I got a charge into one of his Nemesis Dread Knights. 
that fell apart. That meant that Trajan was on his objective, denying him points. Um, it was just, it went from bad to worse, basically. Everything that could go poorly went poorly. I was denying him primary most turns. I was heroic in with Trajan, slapping things for free, and uh, just being you know, a real nuisance and a terrible person to have to play against. But we, we had a good game. So that was a that was a twenty o, which I think I was expecting going into it. It's the only twenty o that I was protecting for myself going into this one. Uh, Paul, how did you feel your game went? Right, yeah. So I I played into um, Josh Wood, and um, what a fantastic guy. Me and him had an absolute. Well, I thought we did. He might say differently, but <laughs> it, it it felt like we had an amazing amazing game. Um, he was obviously playing his um, Imperial Guard, um, and I, when I looked at the list. It was lots of tanks with the Dawn and the Command Squad, Lord Leontus, um, some troops, and like the double Cascan with the key. And I was like, cool, he's got no transports. If I go first, Desolators go. And he had the mortars, obviously, and I can hopefully pick up the um, things. <clears throat> and I was thinking, yeah, this, this, this should be quite... A, I think I put a four down, usual, um, for the pairings. Um, we set up, and I was like, he was deploying, I was like... He's put all of his tanks on the front line. I was like, this is a bit of a brave move here. Obviously, we roll off to go first. He goes first. And then he proceeds to put advance or remain, always count as remaining stationary on all of his tanks and then proceeded to advance all of them pretty much to walk out to walk, so he could see the whole of my army. Literally, he had two tanks go across the top of the board. Two of them come down the side of the board. And the Dawn just went straight across the middle touch on to the L in my home, like in my deployment zone to see my whole army. I was like absolute oh, giga chad move. I've been, I've balls this up massively. <laughs> so Alan was supposed to come back. So he then proceeds and he, and he also then teleports over his Kasakin bomb as well and I was like ah, this is not going to go well. Um, luckily, I mean he, he managed, because I had hidden quite well, he, he could see like my 10 man Terminator brick um, so they took an absolute pound in. I think I lost six of them. Um, I lost my unit of infiltrators at the top of the board. Um, and I was like, bugger, I'm, I'm screwed here. You know, what am I supposed to do? I've got a massive dawn sat in front of me. So I was like, I'm just going to go and see as much jank as I can. And so I was like, cool, one land speeder is going to fly up and I'm going to charge from behind the little L ruin into the middle of them. So they, then they're tagged in combat. I'm going to send my blade guard to the other two that came down the other side with another land speeder and they're going to charge in and wrap one of them while tagging the other one so they're trapped in combat and then I um, I put my terminators, I spent the CP, put them in the assault doctrine, rezzed one of them and charged them with my five blade guard into the dawn. I was like, I need to kill the dawn, that's in my lines, let's get rid of that. Um, yeah, so I basically my turn I shot and killed the Kasakin. I killed another set of troops that he had on the, he'd put on the, uh, one of his, the other objectives and then um, proceeded to absolutely annihilate the Dawn in combat with Terminators. Apparently full rerolls to hit and wound will take out a Dawn quite easily. And he wasn't expecting that to die. I don't think he, he realized that um, obviously Dark Angels, when they're in the Assault Doctrine, get reroll wounds against vehicles. So the Terminators absolutely annihilated the Dawn tagged all of his tanks apart from his commander in combat and one of them was trapped um, and I'd taken his primary down to four and um, that's pretty much how the game just carried on. I just kept putting everything into combat with his tanks and shooting anything that went onto one of the objectives so he'd only score four primary because <laughs> I was like, he, they always score really well on the secondaries. Um, I'm sure Lee will contest to this that 
they've, they've got some very strong secondary game. I was like, if I can just neuter the primary game, that's how I can win this. So I was losing my army left, right and centre, but I was just using what little pieces I had to tag his tanks, shoot what was on the objectives and just kept putting him down to a zero and four on primary and yeah, ended up winning 82-50, which I was quite quite pleased with. I, I kind of ballsed up on my secondaries though. I I didn't take bring it down because I've played into the guard before and with their toughness eight and most of my guns all being strength eight, it can be a very much a coin flip of whether you actually kill any tanks or not. Uh, as it happened, I killed, I think, four of his Lehman Rosses, which would have scored me a lot higher, but I just took banners and um, banners behind enemy lines and over the moment. And uh, if I'd have took anything instead of banners, if I'd have took uh, bring it down, it would have put the score up a bit. But um, yeah, I was, I was happy with that one. I got what I predicted anyway, so that's all that mattered. Absolutely, making that four come true. I think I've I've got everyone there. I'm losing the plot slightly. Uh, anyone I haven't come to on this round? No Mwah. one important. Moving on. All right, Chris. How did you How did you get on? I that, I wasn't even doing a bit. I'm sorry. I was just uh, genuinely lost track there. How did you do, Chris? Um, yeah. So I went into custodies. Um, the things I had going for me was that I played into Ed on TTS like three or four times now, so I knew the matchup kind of pretty well, um, and. On top of that, it was on conversion, and conversion is a mission that for some reason just clicks. I've never actually lost on. So I felt kind of like, felt happy with that. The only issue was that this was a bit of a different custodian's list because it was Shadow Keepers. Um, I have a, a little bit of mortal wound output, but not an insane amount. But I do like my combat, and minus one attack on my combat is obviously not ideal. Um, Brand was an absolutely lovely guy. Um, <laughs> our game went way kind of like closer to time than it perhaps should have because we just spent so much time talking he was like kind of asking questions he's still kind of a bit newer to uh, the competitive scene in terms of he's trying to make that next step up um so we were kind of like discussing options and that sort of thing but really nice guy um it's just a really hard game to try and work out both players can't afford to make a silly mistake um i think overall brand probably as we all know um where you can play more aggressively, you want to play aggressively into the L's, you need to get into their lines quickly. Um, and Brown went first and kind of didn't want to push out too much. He put like a little three man out on the middle and just said, deal with it. And basically the way the game went was that I kept leaving custodies alive on one wound in the middle objective. So he kept scoring primary, which was really annoying. Um, but at the same time, a lot of his other saves were shocking. So I was able to like kind of clear up other areas of the board, um, but I couldn't, despite my best efforts, I could never knock him down to a four. Kept getting that eight, which kept the score quite close. Um, but having bottom of the turn meant that I could kind of push forward and push through um, eventually. And um, really, really enjoyable game. And I won it 93-79. Good showing. It can be a very difficult one, especially with the, the Shadow Keepers really neutering your melee. But if you can get the Khan in there, she really does like all he was, those... Yeah, the Incarn's really interesting one. So like you take the the Demons game, where the Incarn actually does not much into the big guys because she doesn't ignore their invun. Mm. But in the Custodes game, Brown was really worried about the Incarn. Like, that was a big thing. He was always thinking about, like, where's the Incarn going to go? And um, he, it was quite a, quite a chess match in in that regard, which, um, because the Incarn obviously ignoring the Kasodian, um the Invans and putting them onto six ups makes like a big difference because he can really go through, um, or she can go through a lot of stuff. 
um, apart from Trajan, because uh, she completely fucked that up. But other than that, you know, that seems went, seems reasonable. Trajan is yeah, he's a boss, you know, yeah. far more of a badass. Um, so that seems entirely fair to me. Yeah. No bias here from someone who's just used Trajan for the first time. All no, no, at all. Fantastic. So end of day one, we were feeling stronger. We had come out three and zero, which was um, not unexpected, but it was it was definitely nice to be hitting our stride. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was great. Obviously, we were there with six plus plus Omegan, the uh, the second team as well. They did, I believe, two one on day one. Um, they had a great yeah. day one as well. Yeah. Um, and at that point, we all decamped to accommodation that Paul had ever so kindly booked for us. Um, it was a little bit of a, a car ride away. Um, how how far away from the the venue was the the accommodation, Paul? Uh, it was eight miles. Eight miles. Eight miles. Um, as the crow flies, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> not as the not, car drivers. Depends who you ask, really. Eight thousand miles, as, if you ask some people. Not as the tired war gamers, you know, commuting around Birmingham, which um, we we had some some words about, and I, I remember you two were particularly pleased about their clean air policy, um, and not going into it and potentially being fined. 40 pounds um so we got back to the hotel had some food uh at the the pub next door i remember that everyone was particularly impressed by the chicken wings um, <laughs> flavorful shocking. and delicious i think were the uh the words used <laughs> anyone want to add on to that uh i think as i said on the night i until that point i wasn't aware it was possible to remove flavor by cooking chicken wings but here <laughs> i, I have improved wrong that's like the most yeah, steamed of all everything <laughs> yeah. Yeah. turns out if you microwave food it doesn't taste very nice. Yeah. Well, you're going to be very disappointed. Let me tell you about how most restaurants work at the moment. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. But yes, no, I think aside from the chicken, which was a little disappointing, I know you had a, a fantastic looking meal, Jack. You just went for starters, which I think was genuinely a great choice. Yeah, it's really garlic nice bread. Looking... I just subsisted yeah. on garlic bread for that weekend. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, weirdly, when that came out, I looked at it and I, I looked at the salad on the side you plate. For some reason, that made me really jealous. It looked like a nice side salad. Um, but yeah, Paul, what was it that you ordered? I feel like you didn't have enough chicken, did you? Yeah, so I, I wanted. They did a, a, a like a set meal thing where you could like pick a couple of items off each thing, and then for like an extra four pound, you could add steak. And when we got there, they said, "Oh, we haven't got any steak left." So I was like, "Well, what would pair well with some chicken wings?" Is another order of chicken wings. So I had double order of chicken wings. <laughs> yep. You were the only person to do that. Was it was it yourself, Lee, who also doubled up on the chicken wings? Or was that Jamie? I can't remember. Well, I had a, I had a chicken share for two. Yeah. Um, that was it. That was it. Additional <laughs> chicken wings. Absolutely. There was there was quite a lot of chicken. I didn't want to I didn't want to share the chicken with anyone. I just wanted all the chicken. Never has yeah, so but... many chickens died for so little. I, I would like <laughs> so... to add that, that it is a running theme that whenever we go to uh, an, an event and the uh, the night after the first day, that between our team we seem to always order an obscene amount of chicken wings. I think our record was when we, we ordered over 100 chicken wings between about 12 people. <laughs> yeah. That's not actually that many each when you, when you say it's between 12. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, we were talking probably in the room about 140 chicken wings. Eight. <laughs> anyway, chicken. Chicken was had by all. I can't remember what you had, Chris. Um, you had me giving you shit for dinner. <laughs> for, for, for my mistakes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, abuse. Yeah, I, I sat next to you and just bullied you. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why. Why would you, you put me into the space walls? 
after and then you, I'd follow up with after I said I could oh, beat God. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, very willing to accept that I was the mistake there, but I still would like to blame Chris for it as the team leader. I feel like it's a, a share of his there. So um, yeah, absolutely. Coming into the next day. We woke up, some of us more fresh than others. We managed to get to the venue all on time, didn't have any issues there. We did some pairings as well, and uh, this was a fun one. This was into the Winchester, which is not a team that I had heard of, but it did have some players on there that I had heard of. So, um, some names that you write, might recognize. Uh, Bethany Taylor and uh, Lewis Archer, who I think I saw in the chat, actually. I yeah, did see Lewis Archer yeah. in the chat. Sorry, Lewis, I missed that message. Um, Lewis said earlier that he 20 zeros world eaters with his orcs, which uh, seemed entirely, entirely possible. A um, couple of other names on there that we'll get to as we go through. Uh, he says, I am, yes, here. Nice to see you again, Lewis. Hope you're doing well. So this was, I think, really the first round where it felt like we were in real, real danger. Um, the previous rounds, I think, once we'd got the pairings specifically, um, it felt a lot smoother. But this one, I was I was quite concerned coming in. Do you want to give us a quick run-through on the pairings against the Winchester, Jack? Yeah, sure. I'm just going to go into this one. Um, I would say that based on stuff that happened on day one, I kind of resolved to make sure we had a bit more communication going on between the tables. Because uh, one of the thing, one of the failings I think we had from the previous day and um, from the first round, as much as we joked about Chris playing on for that 12, um, and the second round for Lee playing into the World Eaters, uh, it just caused a lot of unnecessary stress for the players like to be trying to force scores when we'd already won the round handily. Um, so this time around, I was, I was going to make sure that everyone knows the scores. So you know, when we get because we're three and we're on like table three, four, high tables, uh, unnecessary stress is not required. So um, I, I just wanted to resolve myself to make sure we all had as much communication and knowledge as possible, so we were allowed. Um, so uh, they're GSC, Demons, Iron Hands, Imperial Knights, and Orcs. Um, Very strong sharing of lists as well. Yes, so um, the GSC was um, fairly good for us on the, the good side of a draw. Demons, it was mono... I can't, was yeah. it mono's each Demons against? Yeah. Mono's each. Um, so, uh, this time the Custodes had a 5 for it, um, I'm not sure, <laughs> but, uh, and the United had a good matchup into it, but obviously I still had a bad matchup to it. After playing it, my opinion didn't change, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> Iron Hands, again, um, the bad side of, of flat, that's kind of pretty standard for, for Space Marines and Iron Hands. Imperial Knights we have very good matchups for, um, I found that across the weekend, both night matchups, anything vehicle heavy, we were really good against, um, between the, um, the super cracks, the rail guns, Crack. the guard, <laughs> and then um, and then the custodies just being custodies having big biceps. Uh, we were able to just trash uh, enough tanks, so knights generally won't worry for us. Uh, and then orcs was pretty much flat, um, like drawish all around. Um, so we decided to lead with custodies again. Um, it only the one bad matchup for custodies in this one. Um, and that was the orcs, and they were pretty flat against the orcs. So if we could get like, it wasn't the worst thing in the world if we took if we had uh, custodians into orcs. Um, but they had to offer us something else with it, um, and generally they would be things that were bad for everyone else. So that made custodians an ideal thing to go down. So we could take something crappy out of the matrix. So if we go down custodians, they put down iron hands, which makes sense again for the same reasons. It's pretty flat. Um, and then they offered us knights and orcs, and we offered Unarian Dark Angels. Um, so 
based off this, we took the um, knights for the custodies. Um, you might say it's a missed opportunity. We had a lot of other good matches into it, but it meant that we could be kind of uh, free with the Unari to do whatever we want, because that takes out the last bad matchup for the Denari, essentially. Um, so... I was also quite vocal, I think, about wanting to play the Knights. Having played the matchup previously, I knew that it was something that I could, I felt I could score quite highly in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we were happy with that, um, and then they took the our Dark Angels into their own hands, um, which is a fine. Um, you would normally predict these to be a threes, but obviously Paul's put it down as a four, um, which, to be fair, I completely understand. Um, having a faction specialist is, is always going to work in your favour in that situation. Um, so then we put down Yunari again in the safe little pocket of second defender uh, and they offered demons. Um, so we offered uh, GSC orcs and sorry, they offered GSC orcs and we offered guard and tau. Um, so this kind of left, a, left us in a bit of a weird situation um, where we had to uh, essentially give the... Uh, well, we ended up with two threes, basically. Um, we could have had a two and a four, but we decided to take the the, the even matchups because, as I said before, it's easier to push a draw um, than it is to get an even matchup out of a loss, um, generally. Um, or at least that's how it's worked for me in previous. I assume it's the same with 40k. <laughs> um, but, uh, so we ended up going for that, which has only given us one bad matchup with, with Demons into guard. Um... But uh, overall, I was fairly happy with that. Um, this was probably our worst matrix so far. Um, so I was pretty happy for us to get um, the winning side of a draw um, overall on our matrix. Fantastic. Yeah. So this was, to set the scene, this was, I think, our final. This was like the big round for us. It was tense. It was tight. And there was a lot of waiting around for a couple of us to see what happened. I was incredibly stressed. And after we finished it and we were sat having lunch, I said, I don't want to play another game. I'm, I'm too, I've had enough. This is, you know, I'm out. I've hit my level of, of stress. Um, that's that's how it was, one game in. Um, Lewis is saying there that our night player said the same thing about, you know, him being able to 20 on me, which is, uh, it is inherently a bit of a swingy matchup. Um, so, yeah. We'll, what we're going to do this time is we're going to go in order of who finished their rounds first um, to really set the scene. Ramp up the suspense. Oh, yeah. Ramp up the suspense. So the first to finish was myself. Um, one, it was nice and started. Uh -huh. One more thing about the, about the pairings I just remembered. Um, it's kind of a cautionary tale when you're doing pairings. Um, like, uh, I don't mean this in like a disrespectful way or anything, but um, if you're you're doing your pairings, um, you gotta be really careful what you say to your opponent when you're doing it, um, because if you, because um, you, you can sometimes give away a lot of information, um, which kind of people who were playing, pairing against were um, sort of letting us know that what they thought the matchups were they were giving us. So I was able to pair against that accordingly. Um, so that gave us basically the one extra pairing. Is that's how we were able to get the, the three twos, the two threes and the two, um, rather than the other way around. Um, because they just gave us that little bit of extra information. So um, just for anyone, again, you're doing pairings out there, um, you know, obviously, I'm not saying, like, you've got to be silent and stoic with your opponent. You can have a good time, but um, just be careful. Sometimes you can give away um, more information than you intend, um, and that can kind of 
bite you later. But again, this is a perfect example. Um, as Lewis says in the chat, like he had his his team had them up on ten points. So sometimes the pairings kind of don't even really matter because the teams can have different estimations of what they think is a, a win and a loss. So um, you may pair yourself into what you think is a win, but you, so does your opponent. So um, it basically comes down to who has the better idea of, of the pairings at the time. Perfect, yeah. And that is absolutely why we have Mr. Tall, Dark and Stoic um, doing the pairings with his human computer instead of me, the Motormouth, who um, <laughs> probably couldn't keep my mouth shut. Uh, they'd put down a card and be like, oh, is it nice? I hope it's nice. I want to play nice. Um, so, yeah, that obviously wouldn't have gone very well for us if I'd been in charge. Uh, so, coming into round four, the first to finish, myself. This was Knights into Custodies. This is a fast game. No matter who wins or loses, it is a fast game. Um, we did have a judge come over and say, just, you need to have a, a clock on. Um, it's, it's the rules. You're undefeated. Round four, you need to be on a clock. And we... Uh, we did look at each other and be like, we'll do it because it's the rules. But uh, we both know this is pointless. And we finished, I think, an hour and a half into the round. Maybe, maybe less than that. It was an absolute, uh, it, was, it, was, it was speed chess is what it was, basically. Um, so we were, we were putting our stuff on the table. I had thought about my reserves. I almost put the Witch Seekers into reserve, which would, been, would have been a real mistake because they wouldn't have got me much. But I decided not to do it. I win the roll off to go first. And I pre-game move the Witch Seekers up. I roll to advance them. I get a six. I'm like, oh, cool. So that's, you know, seven-inch move, six-inch pre-game move, six-inch advance. Cool. So I'm basically just hemming in his army, turn one. This gives me a lot of flexibility to move up and just put out some pot shots. Um, I stage as much as I can in the Ruin. It's on a, you know, a Dawn of War deployment. Um, sit in my staging room. Ruin my Sagittarium, just, you know, put some pot shots into the big knight, which I completely forgot about. It was a very nice surprise later on when I charged it, and he goes, cool, I've got eight wounds left. And I was like, oh, crap, I forgot I'd, you know, really chipped this down, so that was nice. He came into his turn, wasn't able to do very much, and then I just went into two turns of Rendax, and turns out Sagittarium absolutely ripped through knights when you're in Rendax. I got lots of charges off, I got lots of sixes to hit, Trajan giving rerolls and uh, just very efficiently picked up the models. And there's not really much to say other than custodies go burr and um, my points absolutely rocketed up and got me a 20-0. So that was a good start. I was feeling good about that, but I knew we had some quite rough pairings or more difficult pairings. And as I was having a wonder down the line, I was feeling... It was, it was good that I got a 20, but there were definitely some signs that we needed a 20 to, uh, to feel good about this match going in. Uh, then, so I was on the leftmost table. To my right, by one table, we had Jack. How did your game go, Jack? Uh, well, I was against the GSC. Um, I had that down as a draw. Again, it's my first time playing against GSC. I was super worried about it. I was like, I cannot let these like these tricks and jank come out and smack me. I cannot let this. I can't let myself lose this for the team. Be super embarrassing. So um, I took quite a long time on my um, my deployment, my movement. Um, basically put most of my army in the center then like use broadsides and crew hounds and stealth suits to zone out everything six inches in my deployment zone and in front of me as well um he could probably fit a kelomorph in somewhere um but nothing nothing bigger than that um and uh and i was just i basically readied myself for the onslaught i wasn't really sure what i was going for um but if it was whatever it was it was going to come in front of me not behind me so um my opponent had the first turn. I just grab his name. I can remember. 
Aaron. Aaron had the first turn. Um, and he had his three units of bikes. They went forward. Um, they did. They killed a unit of crew hounds. I hid everything else, and he wasn't really able to get much else out of me. Um, Adam. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I think Adam, I must have typoed that or corrected it or something. Um, so, um, yeah, so he, he moved super aggressively into me. He had his bikes on my home objective in front of uh, in front of my L, my big ruin turn one. So um, he played super aggressively into me. I had a decision turn one: do I move out, just go into the middle of all them, exemplar of the monk car, rear to wounds everything, just try and lift all the bikes? But I didn't know how much firepower I needed to kill the bikes, so I thought no, I'm going to play it safe, stuck behind. Just fire invaded out of the ruin and well, back, went out of the ruin, fire invaded back in. Um, which just turned out to be a good idea. Kill one unit of bikes completely, one down to one guy on my objective, which was kind of upsetting. Um, I decided to not go crazy and charge through there because and expose myself. Um, I just let him have the 12 for the first turn because uh, I just wanted to get more of his units in and, and not play um, too riskily here when I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, second turn, he brought I think, two units, two big units down. And decided this was going to be my go turn, so I moved out turn two. Exemplar Mark car triggered. Uh, I was on top of one of the L ruins, so the crisis units could just see everything. Um, and I racked up enough kills to uh, get me to 13 points on no prisoners um, <laughs> on turn two. Uh, pretty much everything was dead. He had um, two shooty characters, three shooty characters in reserve, one 20 man neophyte unit, his two characters, um, and then I think it was three neophytes on his home objective because uh, the crew hounds have run over there um, and been absolute heroes and destroyed half the unit on their own um, before dying a heroic death to the Primus. Um, uh, Adam tried to drop a few more stuff. Uh, unfortunately, wasn't able to get much else, and he was out of stuff on turn three. He just ran out of units. Um, yeah, that, and the line of sight shooting and <coughs> the ability to get from the um, big L ruin to one of his staging ruins with an 18 inch move in the crisis unit just meant I, I had so much coverage on the board that um, he was, wasn't was able to, to stay alive and he couldn't get enough damage into me. Um, the one opportunity he got, he was only able to kill the crisis unit down to a man rather than the entire thing to get some uh, points on ambush. So uh, that one ended up 95 to 52 in my favour, um, which uh, I think... An 18-2. Is an 18-2. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So at this point, we're feeling, well, it might look like we're doing very well. We've had a 20 and an 18-2. And, um, you know, the team... So by my along... calculation, that means we need 13 points across the remaining three games. Yeah. yeah. To, also, halfway through my game, um, Chris had come over to me and said, um, I'm... It's, it, it told me that he's not going to make his prediction. And I had to get as many points as possible. Um, that's when I decided on my turn to go. Uh, so... Uh, I knew that those points were going to be uh, vital that I got. So, absolutely, and that that goes back to what you were saying about communication, how it's important. Exactly. Uh, I do I do want to just say as well, I I got too caught up in the uh, the storytelling. Uh, my opponent was a guy called John, really lovely. We had a great time. Um, it was just fantastic bullshitting, a little bit of dice rolling, and uh, you know, a good time there. So at this point. For those following at home, um, Tom put in the chat, it's looking great, guys. You know, we'd submitted a 20-0 and an 18-2. Um, we had, at this point, realized it wasn't actually looking like the blowout that the scores might have been saying it was. Who finished up next? Was it um, yourself, Chris? Ah, Chris, how did your game go? Well, 
it wouldn't be a true story filled with suspense and excitement if someone didn't completely fuck up. Um, so I decided to take that role. Um, so I was playing into Yorks. Now it was on the map is Tide of Conviction, and um, I struggle on that map for, for a variety of reasons. You were I playing Lewis, in, who's in the chat at the moment, I believe. I was, yeah, absolutely. And I played into Orcs once before with my Harlequins, um, and it was an incredibly tight game. I won by that a couple of points. Um, going into this game, I'm really worried that um, it could be a blow up because um, obviously the team that get a big. Um, get the advantage and then build up and snowball the primary um, you probably do create quite big score differentials um, so I'm concerned about that blowout um, and then on top of that um, it's kind of like I don't really know how to play this game obviously he's got goth pressure so it's all just going to run at me if he goes first I'm like screening things out trying to deploy in the right spot and then I got first turn I'm like, right, how aggressive do I go? So, my Shroud Runner is obviously invaluable in this game because, you know, you can just pick up large amounts of stuff. And it's like, well, do I hang back? If I hang back, I can't really see anything. Then he could just wire and charge me. So I kind of make the decision to um, use my Shroud Runners to pick up a unit of Storm Boys. Well, almost a unit of Storm Boys. For the entire game, there was this one Storm Boy who just survived everything. It was, it was quite impressive. And I pick up this other unit of Commandos. And... I'm trading up in points, but it doesn't feel great, so I feel like I could probably use the Shroud Runners later on. I also send in a unit of Striking Scorpions to pick up another unit of Storm Boys. So I've kind of, I've traded away three, four units to pick up some of his. Um, and then he, so um, Lewis then calls the one, um, and just because he knows I could use my Incarn to kill his boss and then stop the one. Um, I should say uh, this game was like really fantastic in terms of like discussion and intent and that sort of thing. So like first turn, I wanted to get my shroud runners um, into um, his deployment zone because like well my kill rigs are characters so it can heroic intervene. I was like right, is there a way around I can get it? So we spoke about it and we kind of got the um, we kind of got the fire and fade out and we measured it all out and worked out how it could be sorted. So it was like it was a really great game in terms of like that. Um, so he kind of comes back, kills the stuff, and I'm like, right, Incarn over there. I managed to teleport the Incarn back onto an objective to give myself a fall. And I kind of have a plan where I'm like, right, if I can get my Incarn across, kill one of these kill rigs, he's put some commandos in my bottom right hand corner, I send my Banshees over there, fight last of the commandos. The Incarn can go do her thing, chop up a kill rig, do some mortal wound powers. I can get a couple of overrun points, you know, just carry on screening. Then the Banshees go kill the Commandos, the Incarn teleports back. Job's good. At this point, I haven't really done any maths on whether the um, the Banshees do actually kill the Commandos. <laughs> but, um, but I'm like, of course they do. You know, why wouldn't they? Um, and so anyway, he's, Lewis has done a really good job of his kill rigs are all by objective. So if I kill a key rig, kill rig, stuff is going to splash out and that. So anyway, I get to my charge and I'm like, right, okay. Oh shit, Kilrig. Kilrig's got an auto hitting gun. This is gonna auto hit me in Overwatch, isn't it? He's like, yep. Okay, right. Well, we're just gonna. I've got a save dice, so I managed to get through the Overwatch, chop up, kill the Kilrig, and then Lewis is like, right, I'm gonna fight on death. 
like, oh no, I didn't didn't realise that was a an option. This is this has gone very badly. And the kill rig then um, does eight wounds to the incarns. The incarns are sat there in the middle of the army on four wounds. And now it's the time of the banshees. And as I'm sure we can all predict, the banshees did not deliver. They in fact only killed five commandos because the commandos are sat on a five up in them, and there were some five ups made. And then obviously all the banshees die on the swing back. So I've gone from a situation where in my head I've got dead commandos. I've also got this really clever plan where the banshees are going to kill the commandos and then consolidate out to move block the squig hogs coming across. Um, and they're going to, um, and the incarn then can't be charged. I'm like, yeah, this is all great. It's all great. Um, the banshees die, and I decide not to teleport the um, the incarn back. At which point, I think four out of the five commandos ran away. Just failed them around. Well, I was like, oh shit, they could have. She could have been a bit safer, really. The incarn then sat in the middle of the board. Anyway, at that point, I think I then go across to Jack, and I'm like, um, yeah, I'm pretty fucked. I'm struggling to see how I'm going to score. 50 points because I now have no ability to control primary and I've kind of lost all my killing power as well. So um, I scramble around, I'm basically table turn four and I don't manage to get the points. So um, Lewis and I spoke after it, about it afterwards and he said I should have played a lot more defensively and it's certainly something I'm still trying to learn with the Inari, like when should I push and when should I just try and absorb just like the counter. If I'd sat in like mine area, my area, let him just keep picking up my screens whilst because I can't trade particularly well. Um, so yeah, I I would love to play that game again and try it from a defensive perspective. But full credit to Lewis, he played it really really well. Um, and yeah, so we're now sat where far end of the table twenty zero, table in eighteen two, on the far right hand side zero twenty, and then we've got our worst matchup in, on paper, which was Lee into Chaos Demons, which we knew was a rough one, but what magic could Lee pull out? So going into this one as well, um, we obviously we knew we had 13 points to get, and um, looking across the tables, uh, I was looking like pretty pretty drawish here and there, so I was letting Chris and Lee know, I'm like, Get one point, one, one get point, one point, one get one point. point. You make Paul's life so much easier. <laughs> much easier. Just one little point. If you can get that, we'll be all good. Um, and then Chris, I got zero. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <yikes. laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. So uh, Lee played into. Beth, Lewis is saying Beth, who's our best player. So Lee had not only Beth, a yeah. hard counter, but it's into Beth, who is absolutely a very strong player. Um, and she was playing Zinch Demons, so it's not just Demons, it is the worst Demons for you. How did you find that one, Lee? Um, first of all, um, Bethany, what a joy to play. She was absolutely lovely. Um, just a, had a lovely chat all the way through the game. It's, it's probably nice being in a position where you know you're going to smash someone. <laughs> but it was, um, but yeah, a lovely game in itself. Um, Supportive all the way through game, lots of nice conversations all the way through. So yeah, it was, it was a fun game, and basically it was just I had to get in the mindset that I'm not going to kill a lot of things with um, my guard army or my guard list. It's not going to do that. So what can I do to just score something? Um, 
but it was basically keeping everything back um, and putting a lot of obsec onto tanks and sentinels to try and hold onto my objectives with all the screamers and flamers flying across the board to um, tag everything that I owned. Um, using my mortars in different ways than I normally would. So again, throwing obsec on them and getting them onto objectives and moving them around just like a normal unit rather than actually shooting them. Um, and using my reserves to try and pick up as many boots on the ground points as possible. Um, and I think that was kind of the only thing that really helped me out was just literally trying to keep all my characters within order range of each other so I can throw those um, offset buffs to raise and hold banners to maintain objectives for as long as I possibly could before they were swarmed over. Um, and the, yeah, the mortal wound output, as well as the speed um, of that as each list, as well as the amount of damage that it did in, in combat as well, which was almost surprising, uh, was the mortal wound output that was picking up Lane and Russ. Um, so the list I was playing against was... was one obviously extremely well piloted but also just a horrible list to play against um, but uh again it's one of those ones where you just got to grin and bear it and just try and just pick up the points and a lot of the time i think when jack came over i had a bit of paper in my hand scribbling away trying to predict the points that i was going to pick up and where i had to pick them up to to get over that 50 point mark um to pick up one point and maybe to hopefully pick up two um and that's what I did in the end, I managed to score those last few bits of the grounds points. I managed to hold on to my home objective with the commander and the Vox, uh, master Vox still alive um, with a kind of loads of demons bearing down on them. Sly Marbo appeared out of the shadows, picks up a point for boots on the ground whilst maintaining yeah, the kind of range on things. It's, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a struggle, but we managed to, uh, we managed to eke out a few points on that one. Just to uh, very quickly, precise. very quickly sing Lee's praises. Uh, Lee managed to score two points in one of the hardest counter matches. It's um, that should be a zero twenty every day of the week, and getting two points was incredibly massive. So just to go back to what we were saying, we now we only have one close match left on each end of the table. We have a twenty zero and a zero twenty. Myself and Chris in the middle, you know, coming forwards one. Um, Chris has, Jack has managed to get a 18-2, but Lee has managed to scrape two points, so he's got a 2-18. We are neck and neck, and it really all comes down to the last game. And the last game goes long. It goes. Did it go right to the wire? Did it go right to the full three hours? Yeah, pretty much bang on. Yeah, yeah the three hours. So this game looks so close as well. By the time we all went over there, yeah, I was I was having heart palpitations. I was just sat there for you know the better part of an hour and a half, just like <laughs> this is this is awful. I hate this. I don't want to play armies that finish fast. How did your game go, Paul? Right, yeah. So I I got paired into obviously um, Craig Pendleton, who was a pilot in the Iron Hands. Uh, uh, just like to say what a lovely guy. We had such a laugh. Um, everything was done with great intent. Um, you know if. If we had made mistakes and that, we allowed each other to rectify them before anything else had moved on. And it was just what I would say was just uh, a fantastic show on both sides of the table. I hope he feels the same way. And I will go out and say now that I think this was probably one of the best games of Warhammer I've ever played. Um, uh, and it was it was it was tough, basically. Um, <clears throat> he ended up. Um, 
I think did he yeah, he ended up going first. Um he had he took some infiltrators onto one of my home objective at the start. Um so I was like, cool now I've got to try and get these off and he raised a banner on it, the cheek of it. Um Um but basically the way it went is that throughout the first I think one, two or three turns, our scores were literally neck and neck. Um neither of us was scoring much primary because obviously this was another six mission objective type of conviction yep. yeah um so yeah so uh the primary game was just being absolutely lethal to both of us um and i'm pretty sure for like the first three rounds um we were near enough neck and neck um he was scoring i was trying to score as much as i could on the primary while knocking him off the primary um, but his secondary was scoring better than my secondaries were. I was just like, this is going... Well, it was going as I planned. I think I predicted a 3 or 4 for this game. I thought it would either be a draw or a slight win. Um, like, my turn two, I think he killed all but one of my all, all but one of my Terminators, and he was on, like, one wound. I was like, cool, that's... But the good thing about it is, is, is that it took nearly all of his army to do that, which meant that I had a, a free turn of the rest of my army not being shot at, which was quite good. Um, but I, I was just trying to do as much of my usual jank stuff as I could. So like, um, I had a land speeder that threw over to his, um, corner L and just charged into his desolators and his suppressors to keep them in combat. So I was like, well, they're not going to kill a, a land speeder. And I think it took him two turns to kill a land speeder. He even had to send his, um, um, uh, what they call tech marine in there and then <laughs> absolutely whiffed on his combat phase i was like great it survived on one wound i was like cool i've got another turn of holding up half of his units um and i was just i was just literally just throwing like because he didn't have much obsec and he had um the two units of um the vanguard vet so i desolated them as quick as possible get them out of the game so i didn't have to worry about them um but his his two um what them Primaris tanks called that just have about a thousand shots on them. We had two of them. Yeah, yeah, the gladiators. um, Those things were just decimating anything that came out into line of sight. So I was trying to hide from them as much as possible or tag them in combat. At one point, he had one of them on my home objective. Um, This was getting to about turn four. Everyone was saying, I need to try and get out the win. I was like, I've got this massive tank on my home objective. I've got no real anti tank now. My desolators were down to like one squad. I think I had, um, I think by turn four, my turn four, because I went second, I had one unit of Desolators. I think I had my two Talon Masters. Um, I think I had another Land Speeder, and I had like uh, my Apothecary and my Bannerman left, and that was it. I was like, I've got two turns with like six units. <laughs> most, of them six car- units. Most, six- of them, most of them were one, one model characters. Was it not six models? Yeah. yeah, it felt like sick models. He still had quite a big chunk of his army. He had both his desolators. He had some suppressors. He had his two big tanks. He had his characters still alive. I was like, I just need to try and keep knocking him off the primary and trying to score as much as I can for myself, trying to get the points up. So I basically, with his big tank on my home objective, I was like, right. And I, we spoke about this so to make sure it was right. I was like, what my plan is, is I'm going to come out. I'm going to charge in my talent master to tag the tank. Um, cause I think it, it should be able to survive the overwatch. It'll have a, it can have a four pin run for one CP when he shoots it in the overwatch. A lot of his stuff's all wounding on fives. Um, so I was like, it should survive. It's got eight wounds. It's quite a tough thing to kill. Um, and then he'll tag into the, um, into the, into the, uh, the Reaper. And then what I'm going to do is my desolate is going to move out. They're then going to charge into it and tag it in combat. And I'll leave it so that the, um, des- uh, the desolate is a closer 
to the model than the um, talent master is. So in his turn, when he comes to shoot, he can't then shoot the talent master because technically it's not the closest model because good old Games Workshop writing rules. Uh, it still works even if you're shooting into combat because it still has to follow the line, the rules of shooting the nearest model and the character can't be shot. Um, and obviously that tank, um, the talent master had rights of war, so I was, knew that I, he couldn't take my objective. Um, I sent my other talent master over because he just had a drop pod on his home objective. So I was like, cool, I can contest that. Um, I Because one turn I even shot, um, the, that turn before that I shot my desolators, two units of desolators, one of them was in line of sight into the drop pod. Didn't kill it. I was like, this is the toughest fucking drop pod I've ever seen. <laughs> Super cracks, two Vanger launchers, and four of the outer line of sight shooting. I think I did like six wounds to it. I was like, oh no, five. What well, they got eight wounds normally. So I think I, it had four wounds left afterwards. I was like, this is this is the story of my. I was like, this. I'm losing my army here. Um, but yeah, it. I was literally just using these few little models I had to keep knocking him down to zero or four on primary. Um, I was hiding my character so he couldn't get his assassinate. Um, I was making sure that um, where I could, I didn't have units on an objective that he could then steal for his shock tactics while I was trying to get my shock tactics from him at the same time. Um, but yeah, it just came down to absolutely the wire. And on my last turn, I think I managed to score. Yeah, I got an eight on the primary. I got the overrun for three. Um, I got two banners and I got three for over moment. And the way it ended is it was a, a what was actual score? It was 66 51 which was just enough to get the 18-2. And when we finally calculated it all, when we, we went through, make sure all the scores were correct um, to make sure that it was right, that nothing had been missed. Um, and yeah, the the celebrations afterwards were amazing. We hugged out afterwards. Absolutely. All round, out with an amazing game of 40K. Coming out with a 12-8 there, which pushed us into to victory, which was not only incredibly tense, but in, incredibly... Well and again, like you said, big shout out to um, uh, Lee getting the 18-2 because them two mm -hmm. points meant that what I did wasn't then resulting in a draw. Absolutely. That was the win. Yeah. I mean, we, we said that at the time. Dream is, makes the dream work. Yeah, you yeah. got two points. We're like, you fucking killed it. You've, you've done incredible. This is it's amazing. <laughs> I've, never been so hero. <laughs> I've never been so happy to lose a game by 18 points. This is uh, 16 points. This is incredible. Um, so that was great, a, a fantastic round. And just to echo what Paul was saying, I think um, I think all of us, or most of us, I haven't spoken to everyone, so I don't want to speak to all, um, but just felt like it was a, an amazing round for sportsmanship. I know my game, uh, incredible sportsmanship. We had a great time, uh, yep. very much played by intent. I know a couple of the other guys have said that. Um, really enjoyed it. So that over, we went outside to eat, you know, catch our breath. And uh, we had a look at who was left. So there were four teams left in the running, undefeated, 4-0, a great spot to be in. And that was ourselves, Team England, Team Ignite, and Vanguard Tactics. And this is in no way disrespect to the Vanguard Tactics team. But we looked at that and we are like, I hope we fucking get Vanguard Tactics. because The lesser of three evils. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is very funny because when we got the pairing and I walked past the Vanguard Tactics table... I said, we wanted you, and they said, we wanted you. Um, so we I think everyone much... wanted us, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, to be fair. The underdogs. We, we, we were absolutely the, the, the free least win. <laughs> well, you know, I think we'd have had a good time into Vanguard Tactics. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at Vanguard Tactics list. I think our lists paired really, really well into Vanguard Tactics list, just by the armies that we each of us had chosen. So uh, it would have been a really 
I think a really close round to be fair so it's a real shame we didn't get that but yeah in the end absolutely so team round five we did as you may have seen from the title of the episode draw into team england and was there a semi-final upset no yeah there was some upset um, <laughs> but... <laughs> um do you want to give us a quick whiz through on the pairings we're getting quite close to uh half 10 so if we can just sort of go go quickly on this one how do yeah, you sure um so space wolves was pretty rough for all of us um gsc was pretty good for all of us with my new knowledge of gsc having played them once um, Eldari was pretty drawish, but I had a decent good matchup. Uh, T Suns was a bit swingy because it was a bit of an anomaly, and Necrons was kind of a bit rough on the draw for us. Um, so they put in Eldari, we put down Custodes again. So 5 for 5 on the Custodes down first. Uh, they offered Space Force GSC, we offered Unari and Tau, which gave us. Um, unfortunately, um, Chris didn't get his mirror matchup of um, Eldari into Unari, um, so he could get a free coaching lesson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we had Custodes and GSC, Tau into Eldari, which is um, a good matchup for the Tau in theory. Um, I think they just wanted to take me out of the Matrix because uh, my list on paper was okay against quite a few of theirs. Um, Josh was um, saying that they were worried a bit about the Tau because of the shooting element on that particular board. It's quite yeah. an open board, so they were like, oh, we want to make sure we try and take out um, the Tau and the Guard um, so that they can't um, they can't blow Lower away. Yeah, exactly. And obviously we'd seen the uh, Custodians into Space Wolf matchup already and you didn't even ask if I wanted to play it, you just didn't give that choice <laughs> there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, <clears throat> next we put down Yunari uh, in its traditional spot, and they put down T-Suns, we put down Guard and Dark Angels, they put down Space Wolves and, I forgot that spot blank, but I guess it was Necrons. Um, so we ended up with Yunari into Space Wolves, Dark Angels into T-Suns, and Guard into Necrons, which is... Uh, a three, a four, a three, a two, and a three, which is pairing into a draw, which is basically what you would expect against um, quite a high tier team. Um, if both sides get the pairing matrix right, you pair into a draw, and then it all comes down to who can play better and eke out those extra points. Because one of the things also with the pairings is obviously you you do it a lot on how the matchup should go. If two people of equal skill are playing the game, obviously yeah. Team England are very good players. <laughs> yeah, I mean if. If, if you were going to play it on player skill, um, at the end of the day, you don't know necessarily every single player, so it's kind of pointless to um, play on player skill because you think you're going to get beat by someone who you think is better than you. Because um, you don't know how they're going to play it. If, it's a, yeah. if it is a good matchup for you, they might just hide in the corner and, and let you get a small win um, rather than expose a bunch of stuff for you. Um, so it's always better to play on um, list rather than than, uh, than player skill. And especially this round, it's the last round, uh, it's round five, um, and we were undefeated. I mean, you're going to give it the best shot you can. You're going to always try and go for it. You'd be doing a disservice to yourself if you didn't do everything you could to win. Absolutely. So let's go quickly, I guess, um, right to left. Uh, <laughs> if we start with you, Paul, you were playing into Manny Chima's Thousand Sons. How did that go yeah. for you? Uh, it went as well as I think anyone could... Uh expect that game to have gone um i i i've never had good experience playing into thousand suns um i don't know whether it's just because of all their psychic stuff or all their janky stuff or that i, I kind of underestimate the fact that um a lot of my shooting is one damage two damage for, apart from like the super cracks and obviously they can minus damage 
if they if, if things are one wound, one damage, they get plus one to their armor save, and then there's a, the strat, which I completely forgot about, that they can make stuff minus one damage, which then kicks in their all is dust ability. So um, when I came to my like my shooting, I was like, cool, I'm gonna put all my talent. I, he had his big unit of ten terminators um, on the bottom right hand objective outside of the ruin. I was like, cool, I'm just gonna shoot all my army into it, and he was like. Yeah, I can spend just and it, like Manny, he's, he is a very good player, um, and we did talk about a lot of stuff while we were playing. And he did say, look, if you do that, I will. I can spend three CP or minus one damage, and you're not really going to achieve much. I was like, yeah, that's a fair point. So I sort of rejigged things a bit, um, but yeah, it, it was a it was an absolute smashing. I basically, as soon as it went, I was like, all I can try and do is try and grab a point i was like if i can get to the 51 mark i'll be happy um into this matchup and um it literally came down to the i think the end of the game i i i threw asriel away into a character to try and get um another assassinate point um i was doing behind enemy lines every turn so i maxed that on my secondaries um i was just trying to hold on to at least one objective trying to get two if i could um and then on the final turn i was like i'm just gonna i ended up just throwing a, a talent, a, one of my, I think it was my talent master or speeder into his deployment zone because I went second, uh, get behind enemy lines and then just dropped a bomb. <laughs> and that was enough to get me to the 51 points. I was like, cool, <laughs> I'll take that. It was, yeah, but we had a, a great game, fantastic. Um, uh, we were just, everything was done really well between the both of us. Um, yeah, we just only had a good laugh, I found. It's great. And getting yeah. a point is, and is absolutely yeah. <laughs> well, no, you you got a point, and as you say, sometimes you know when you realise it's all gone to pot, getting that one point, even just for pride's sake, is uh, is important because I don't think we were under illusions that we were going to take them to a you know a smashing victory or anything along those lines. Uh, next across, I believe, was you, Jack, and you were playing into who were you playing the, into? The Eldari. Um... Eldari. Robo, how were you into Robo? Yes, um, so it, it, there is a good matchup for me again. I've been honest with a lot of indirects, um, but uh, again, I I'm worried about being too over aggressive. Um, I just don't have enough experience in 40k. I only started playing in Ox, um, <clears throat> so I was kind of worried about it. Um, and I have played against um, Chris as well with the Yanari, and I know how the rough kind of way that game goes. Um, I decided to go assassination instead of grind in this one because um, it, the list gave it 25 points on assassinate, so I thought it's probably a good chance to get some points and assassinate on this one. Um, but uh, yeah, so I put everything in the big L, uh, apart from the broadsides which are a bit further forward, and uh, I, 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 I. Don't think I played aggressively enough. Is the long and short of it. Um, I spent a turn. I didn't move the um, crisis unit forward into sort of the forward L ruin um, that you get access to on that map. Um, when I could have done, uh, and as a result of that, um, I was able to like push really far into um, into his L um, and then start doing like war rituals without needing to quicken back. Um, and then he was able to just throw out a ton of mortals onto my um, commanders, which I, there's just no counterplay for. Um, you know. I'll do like uh, one with one of the Eldari spells and then six with Mirror of Minds because apparently that doesn't happen very often and yet that happened to me twice this game. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that, that to me off. I did have, um, I did try to fight for the points as much as possible. Um, I did do a couple of um, bits of, of jank, like the uh, 
the crisis unit, um, moving 10 inches forward, firing fade another 6 inches, then making an 11 inch charge into a wall walker on that, um, onto Matt's home objective. Um, they just score me some points, um, uh, as well as um, that putting me close enough to um, just blast a ton of characters out. Um, so I did a fair effort in that game, considering I think I played like the macro of it quite poorly. Um, I was able to claw a lot back. I have to put myself on the back foot, um, giving me a 51 into 75, um, which is a 14-6 loss, uh, which I will take uh, every day of the week. Uh, big shout out to Matt. Um, he just showed me how to basically how I should have played the game after I did it, um, and I was super happy with it. Um, in fact, I, I played one of the guys on um, the 6 plus server on TTS who had um, copied essentially a, a, a list that he'd seen a very similar to Matt's list when we played it. I didn't realise before we were playing and I was like, oh, I've just been coached on how to beat this. Let's see how if I can do any better against it, um, which fortunately I did uh, for myself, but um, less, less fortunately for my opponent. Um, but yes, yeah, <laughs> another shout out to Matt. Um, five minutes into the game, I started rolling my dice and he was like, are you a fantasy player? And I'm like, well, yeah, how did you know? And he says, well, I look at all your dice, there's only like five people in the world that have some of these dice because they're all team dice from various uh, uh, team events in there. Um, so I, we had a good chat about that and uh, yeah, great guy. Hopefully I play him on some top tables in the next uh, couple of months. Absolutely. If anyone's going to know about teams, it is absolutely Robbo, king of teams. <laughs> yeah. uh, runs his own events and uh, goes to plenty of them with Team England. Fantastic. So I think I think um, getting six points there was a, a real achievement, really good showing. Uh, next across the table, I think, would be you, Chris, would it not? It would, yes. Um, so only three times in my 40k career have I felt genuinely helpless. Um, uh, they've all three have been this year. Um, one was against Vic in the last team event. One was against, I went second against Mark Rumbleholm's Necrons. Had his entire army, basically in the mid-borders, my Harlequins couldn't deal with it. The third time was in this game. I was playing against uh, the captain, Josh Roberts, and his Space Wolves. And the interesting thing is, he's like going through his list and telling me all the things they can do and all the synergies and buffs, and it's all heavily built towards combat and getting advancing charges off and committing wholesale damage in the combat phase. So I'm like, okay, cool. But then it just so happens, there is an incredible amount of high-quality shooting as well. Which is just, you know, oh, and this unit's got some melter, and this unit's got... And, you know, like 30 melter shots le uh, later, most of your army's gone. And essentially what happened was he got first turn, staged a bunch of stuff, pushed everything forward, killed a little bit in shooting. I stupidly left some... redeployed some striking scorpions to be seen, um, if he cut an angle. Um, and he kind of nearly killed my wave serpent. And he'd staged some stuff up in the centre room. So I'm like, right, what, how do I deal with this? I don't really know. Um, I guess I've got to try and kill this like unit. But his measurements were like so precise. So Space Wolves have this six-inch heroic. And I was trying to like cut angles and charge in places. And it was such a pain. Essentially what happened was I was able to deal with the, all the staging units. But due to like Wolf and Fighting on Death and an interrupt and stuff, I still lost quite a lot of my combat threat in that turn. And then the rest of his army came at me and had an incredibly long shooting phase, considering it's a bunch of space walls with melters. And at the end of that, I would say three quarters of my army was dead. Then he did a bit of combat and I was just sat there like, this is 
this is this isn't fun. This is this is death. So I was like, right, well you know what? Lean Khan's gonna have some fun. So Lean Khan teleported across, ran over to the deployment zone, um, did some powers, chipped some damage, and had an eight inch charge into these two units. And I was like, well, I'll just use my six on my fate dice. Because then all I need to do is not roll the one. So oh, no. obviously the one came up. There was no CP to spend because I was so pissed off that I'd failed Storm of Whispers. I just CP'd it earlier. And Incarn sat there in the middle and um, the entirety of the backline of the Space Halls went, hello. Um, to be fair, Josh then did forget about the teleportation because um, he did then start shooting some other stuff and the Incarn got to teleport away. And I was like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> What up, Josh? I'll trick you. It may be that the Incarn is now back in my deployment zone when I did actually want her at the, at the end of the table, but she is still alive. And anyway, we kind of, he let he, he had his go on turn three. And um, I was like, I can't be bothered to play anymore, Josh. We'd spent so long talking. Um, we'd done a lot of chatting. Um, we were already quite far behind the other games in terms of what turn we were on compared to others. And the writing was on all. But Josh was like an absolute gent. Um, like we had a good chat about the game afterwards. We had a chat about a whole variety of things during the game. Really enjoyable. But yeah, my bum hurts still. Excellent, excellent. Uh, next across the table was me. I will keep this brief. Um, as Chris was saying, there have only been two times in 40k where I felt truly powerless. No, make it three. That game against Matt Palmer that I, I mentioned earlier was one, the first one. Um, but this was a game where I thought I understood the matchup. I thought I understood how GSC played into it. Turns out um, that Mike Porter, not only is he very good, he also has a list that is full of damage three that is very fast that I did not respect. So... I put myself down as a three in the pairing. I thought yeah. if player skill was equal, I could get that to, you know, like a 9-11, a 10-10, something close. Um, obviously, Mike's incredible. Uh, he had a 97% win rate with his Harlequins last year. I did say, like, you know, just out of professional curiosity, have you lost with your gene stealers yet? And he said no. So I was like, cool. Just so I know <laughs> where I'm at. Uh, Challenge I, I personally think Mike Porter's the best player in the world. And I'm not just saying that because he spanked me. <laughs> um, it does make me feel a little bit better though and I've wanted to play against him for a while so that was nice um, basically he won the roll off he went first and he pre-game moved his bikes and he advanced a couple of trucks and he brought his broodlord forwards aggressively with an advance and I was like oh, okay cool that's interesting um, then he popped out the Kelimorph who just wasted pretty much the entire squad of Sagittar um, you know the, the Sagittar he threw demo charges through walls. Um, all told, his turn one, before I got to do anything, he had killed two squads of three Sagis, a squad, two of three Wardens, so for those keeping track, that is eight Custodes bodies, 400 points, and also the full squad of Witch Seekers, which I had, you know, moved up to try and play, you know, screen out my lines a little, get into a forward position. Um, even just soak some damage. And he put the Patriarch back into reserves. And I went, oh no. <laughs> oh. I was expecting to take a little bit less than that damage on my turn two, because Gene Stealers typically come out, have a bit of a slower turn one, um, and then explode turn two and pick up, you know, chunks of your army. So I was expecting to just advance my army forwards and be fine. Um, yeah, that didn't happen. I went forwards, I picked up some nominal units. I did very little of worth on my turn two. 
passed it over to Mike. At this point in, um, Chris still hasn't finished deploying. And I, um, <laughs> I, I turned to him, I was like, this is done. Um, I, I think I had told you that I was getting 0 20 before you'd even deployed your army. So that's demoralizing <laughs> to have to put up with. I'm terribly sorry, dear leader. Um, but yeah, turn to. Um, it was really fun to watch how Mike positioned his units. He was getting the crossfire. He, um, you know, basically had redundancy. He just put everything where it needed to be. Um, I made him laugh a few times. That was <laughs> that was basically all I got out of this game. You know, we had we had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed playing against Mike, and he um, laughed at my jokes. Either he enjoyed them, or it was sympathy. It's possible, possibly just sympathy. Um, and the long story short, by his turn three i had no models left on the board and i went second so i had two turns to do very little and uh, that was yeah an experience but i really enjoyed playing porter and uh, i'm looking forward to hopefully playing him again uh, this time in a matchup that is less unfavored for me and one where i understand the matchup better so that'll be that'll be good finally on to you lee you had the last game into chris Kinnear. I did, yes. Um, a strange game is probably the best way to put it. So it was, it was fun. It was nice. It was um, good tempered, um, enjoyable. Some some hilarious moments with uh, is it the plasma site? The little the little guy oh, soaking up a yeah. ridiculous site. amount of charges from Kasakin. He's just a little. Um, and uh, yeah, so Necrons got the first turn. Um, Necrons did their usual Necroni. We're all obsec massive push um, into some of the middle board um, doing huge amounts of secondary scoring um, and then it came into into the end of that turn um, I start prowling around the board looking for a spot to drop um, some cassock in um, and then something happened which was quite unexpected I, I didn't really understand what was going on um, but Chris picked up a Technomancer, which was in his very back ruin, and moved it into one of the ends, picking up a destroyer, moving it back, and creating a bigger footprint. And uh, I had to stop and go, hang on a minute, what's, what's that? What's going on? Um, and I said, Chris, it's, what are you doing? It's, it's not your movement. Um, and I was very, very confused by just what happened. Um, and I said, well, no, you're going to have to put that back. It's, it's my turn now. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I, did, I was at the top tables playing against a, a big player, and I was, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, whoa, 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 I don't understand what's going on. I can only rationalise that you're trying to reduce my ability to put my casket into that hole and put your Technomancer where he can heal people, but it's not your turn to do that. Um, so that confused me. I say, I, I didn't really know how to, how to handle it. I thought, well, We've resolved that problem. Um, it was a strange problem. But we've resolved the problem of you moving when it's not your turn to move. I'm going to go and get a drink. Um, so I went and got a coke, got, got him a coke, came back and played the, uh, the majority of the game in a lovely, good-natured way, as um, it's meant to be. And then, obviously, we're on a clock. Um, Zach comes around and goes, oh, your clock's wrong. You're going to have to finish on um, at 11 minutes. So when it gets there, that's your time. And again, I don't normally play on a clock particularly often. So I, what Zach said, I took as, yeah, that's the, that's the time you finish a game. Um, so came to Chris, gave him a couple of extra minutes. He was down to nine minutes left on the clock when he finished his, uh, I think it was third turn, it was a pretty slow game. Um, 
and I still have 31 minutes left. So I say, oh, we're out of time. So I start moving my models. As you said, look, I'm just going to chunk these here. We know where they are. I'm going to chunk them. Um, I'm bringing on my, all my reserves. Um, so I'm, I'm covering, getting maximum boots, pushing my command squad into the middle. Um, and then it, um, Chris was like, oh, we need to, I'm, I'm going to have some of that time to, to do my stuff. He did, I don't think he actually said that. It was kind of what, what we're going to do. The time's out. Um, I'm in the lead. And I, again, with my naivety, um, playing probably once a month, I was like, uh, Chris, what do we do here? I'm not really sure what to do because my team captain, Chris. Um, I said, Chris, um, come and help. I don't, I don't really know what to do to resolve this problem. Um, do I give Chris some of my time or does, do we have to clock out? I don't understand what to do here. Um, and then it was resolved. And it, it, was, it was an odd game in the way it finished and the way it started. The middle part of the game was lovely, but those two elements soured it a little bit for me because I didn't really understand what to do with those problems um, and whether I should have taken the time uh, for myself to score maximum secondaries or whether I should go, no, actually, you should have the time. You should have some of my time because so I've got loads left and then you can win the game more. The result didn't matter at that point because the result was done. As you said, the other guys have said that the other games were high-scoring wins for Team England. But on a personal note, should I have taken the time to win because it was my right as the player with time on the clock? Or do I concede that and let him play out his turn? And a situation I've not never been in before and didn't know the right answer for. And I'm sure a lot of players out there probably have these quandaries about where does sportsmanship start and end and what should you do in those situations? And I'm probably still none the wiser. So uh, I'll open that one to the floor. I think when you're playing on a clock, the idea is obviously you're supposed to manage your time to be able to complete a game in the allotted time that you're given. Um, I, I mean, if you go by the rule book uh, of the I, uh, the UKTC events, um, essentially once you've clocked out, um, you can't... The only thing you can do now is roll saves and I think score primary if you're on it. Um, and everything else is literally you can't do anything, you can't move your models, you can't interact. I'm not sure if you, I think you can swing back if you're in combat. I'm, I'm, I haven't really read into it because I've never, like, I, I've only played on a clock like three times before and I've never had any problems with my own personal timekeeping. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of them, like you said, it's one of them things is do you allow your player then to have some of your time? Because, but then if you only got to round three and they've run out of time, then I think that's poor management of his timekeeping, not of yours. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, I'd say. My, yeah, and I like what I said to Lee, it's very much uh, you, as you as a player, can make that decision. I think what Paul says about the amounts is probably quite important. If, because as we've spoken about before, I think when Davey was there, it's about time is a resource. And if you're both there scrambling away, you've got two minutes left each, then actually it's all pretty much the same. And, you know, you've just had a fair even game. But when someone's run, um, is so far away from the other person, you know, your lead's on 30, the other guy's run out, um, then it's where you've used all of your time. And Especially when it's turn three. If it was turn five, you'd probably be a bit like, yeah, okay, I'll give you five minutes to play out your turn sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but after turn three, I'll be like, well, you've used an hour and a half of the game time, and if this is as far as you've come, then that's your problem, surely. You should be able to. You should be able to be able to pilot and play your army in the allotted time. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Because as Jack says, so Jack says, it's fine with sharing time when it's close, but 31 versus 6 minutes. Um, it's clear Chris has taken majority of the time in this game. And yeah. Um, and it's, what did Josh Roberts say when he came over, by the way, Lee? Um, it was kind of, we were kind of trying to quickly calculate what the score could, could be. And I think I probably calculated it wrong under the pressure. And I think that I could have maxed out my secondaries and done, I could have got 12s in my final two turns for primary if the, if the clock had um, stopped. So I think um, the one problem was because I, I personally assumed that Chris understood what I was doing and I, I thought I'd been clear that, yeah, he'd, yeah. Run, I said, that he'd run out of time. My movement had been based around him already being clocked out. Yeah. So everything was in the open. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Everything was visible, shootable, chargeable, if he had more time. And I think it was that um, if I give him more time, my army gets decimated because it's out in the open now. Um, but if I don't give him time, I can go on and push for a win. Um, and again, for personally, for me, that would have been great. I, uh, wait, I can yeah, walk away and say I've, I've beaten from someone from Team England. Great. Yep. That's a, a nice something to kind of go home and tell the kids. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, I don't want to be the guy that has to use that to win. I think you guys, you guys know me. I want, I want to win in a fun way where we've had a great game and, and I've, I've had to use loads of player skill and I'll walk away going, yeah, that was brilliant. But when it comes down to things like, I think this in, is in 40k is, is possibly a problem where unless, like in any other sport, you've got a referee with you all the time making decisions for you. Whereas in, in 40k, it comes down to dialogue and discussion. And there are probably always mistakes in every game anyone plays. But how do you deal with that? And I think that's a, that's a, it's a tricky one. It's, I think it, I could, yeah, be, I could have, go on. No, a big part of it is like how you, because I'm thinking about this, like, let's imagine we're currently tied with England. And um, you then have that decision to make. Is it a different decision? Do you make a different decision compared to the fact we've lost to the game? Doesn't matter. So the game still matters to you. The game doesn't. The, the game matters to Chris in terms of pride, I guess. In terms of the team, both teams, the game doesn't really matter. So it's then it's kind of it's a bit more insular. But imagine if the whole opportunity to get into the final is on the line, then there could be an argument that actually you should then be the cutthroat or not even cut through, follow the rules. But then the counter-argument is, well, actually, you should be consistent, and it doesn't matter what the situation is. Um, I think the only reasonable way is that you discuss it before the game starts. And it's obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I think um, I know that whenever I play with a clock and I can kind of tell that it could potentially go, I think you need to make sure it's very clear from both players' perspective so I remember playing a demons guy, and he was like, "Like, uh, don't worry about the time. Like, we'll just play." Um, and obviously, I've played people like Julio before, who is very much, "You're out of time. You can now roll your saves, at all, and or you can score your primary if you're sat on it, and that is it." And that's that's just the hard rule he plays. And I guess it's consistency is something we should look for. But yeah, I don't know. So I'll um. I guess I'll play devil's advocate in this situation. I think if, uh, I think particularly when playing at a UKTC event, I think managing your clock, particularly in the high tables, is a key part of 
yeah. of, of the game that you play as much as the terrain Can is I just, a part of. Can uh, interrupt Go real ahead. quick? Um, I'm going to have to shoot off, I'm afraid, because I've got to be up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and it's yeah, uh, no 11 o'clock now. Um, but uh, thanks very much for having me on, and uh, just uh, well done to the whole team and for both teams, really, on what we achieved at the weekend. It's probably one of the, the best weekend showing, especially for a team's event that we've put in. So um, congratulations to all of us. And uh, I'll see everyone later. Good luck with the rest of the podcast. I'll tune in and feel find out what happens after I've gone. Thanks so much. Punch I think we're pretty much near the end, but thanks for coming on, Paul. Yeah. And thanks Cheers. for putting up consistent oh, fours. <laughs> Call the fours. Cheers, mate. Bye. Oh. All right, lovely. And is Jack still with us? He is. Fantastic. If you want to uh, wrap up your point there, Jack. Yeah, so um, it, for me, it's a, a, imagine your clock is as much a part of the game as the terrain is. Um, so if you're out of time, you're out of time, um, especially on the top table, um, you know, playing for the, the last game. Um, it's going to sound kind of sucky, but a player on Team England should know better. Um, it's an international event. I'm pretty sure that your opponent had um, plenty of team event experience. Um, he knows how things go. It's thing for the, the movement thing as well. Um, if you're going to play by that kind of level of intent, um, it's not really the place for it on top tables, like on, I say, on the last round, in my opinion. Um, and it really needs to be a little bit more strict. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, just as a thing for anyone doing a team event, if you're negotiating scores um, or talking things out or anything like that, 100% of the time, do not let the opponent or the, any other bunch of other players come and tell you what the score should be and you're stood there on your own. You absolutely need to have your um, team with you to back you up, or better yet, a judge. Um, you don't want like two or three of the opponent uh, team players um, telling you how the game should go, because even though they're not probably not intending to pressure you, you're going to feel the pressure, like you're being hemmed in, and you're probably going to agree to a lower score than it should be. Um, so if you ever feel like you're in a position like that where you have to negotiate, get a judge, or if failing that, you know, a couple of your teammates that back you up, and so you can feel a little bit less hemmed in. On that so one, a good idea. I believe, it, I think I could be wrong, but I believe in the uh, UKTC pack, you're not actually meant to talk out games. Yeah, um, it's just a it general rule. Yeah, no, absolutely, you're, you're 100% right, but um, I think it's very different if it's like a 20-0-0-20 and you go, we, we both know I can't score any more points, this is the end of the game, that's fine, but when you're getting down to the nitty-gritty, it's um, it's a little more, more difficult to make sure you're doing it fairly. Um, yeah, so it is coming up 11 o'clock. Is there anything else that we want to touch on? Any last thoughts on anything we've talked about, or is everyone happy there? No, I think um, we're obviously really happy with how we got on. Um, to get to that stage was awesome. We had five fantastic games, but a big shout-out to Megan, who were um, our, our other team that went. They went 2-3, but um, they were a real credit. We had lots of reports of um, the teams they played to into had a um, had an awesome time, um, and so thank you very much um, to them for representing the the team so well. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for coming and listening. Thank you all for coming and being on the show. Uh, Lee, it's been fantastic. Happy one, Jack as well. Uh, Chris, I guess it's been fine. Um, Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to play with you, and uh, hopefully it was get a lot to of fun. Play against and maybe again with you sometime. So again, really appreciate it.